years ago when we withdrew from like Iraq and Syria was Kurdish. Yeah, leaving the Kurds behind because that's like been the only group that has been consistently on, on our side. side and every time and 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 you know Yeah, but nope. it's easy to sacrifice like you know yeah, l- and, let them you know and it's and take it's, the bullet. It's not great. I don't like it. No, it makes me it makes me real sad. I feel like we're like we're like the popular girl in any romantic comedy, like teen comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean. We got we got the the nerdy kid to buy us pizza and and yeah. help us yeah. with the exam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we're all everybody always do stuff for yeah, us, but yeah, everybody yeah. kind of really hates us, and we just like abandon everybody when mm-hmm. it actually like yep. counts. Yep. Yeah, we're fucking the blonde chick from uh, uh, Mean Girls. Uh, mean Girls, yeah. We're, oh, we're oh, Af- uh, I what know. the fuck's her name? Uh, it's something. Rachel Adams. McAdams. Yeah, well, Rachel McAdams. The, yeah. the actress's name. What? The, yeah, no, that's the character. Yeah. I don't remember the character's name. My wife's gonna. Coonan. My wife's gonna make me watch the no. movie again. Uh, it's it starts with a D. It's like. A, no. I know it's super fetch. <laughs> fetch isn't going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. You know what? As as the producer of Laughing Historically, we're gonna make fetch happen. We <laughs> are officially making that our catchphrase yeah, of the mic of the, of the podcast. It's gonna be the fetchest thing you've ever seen. Is how Dan fetch Dan fetches. the Man Sickles <laughs> fetchest Union Dan, Army General fetchest. Dan God. Sickles yeah. fetches some shit. We're, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a T-shirt eventually. Dan Sickles fetches some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan Sickles he uh, fetch that Gettysburg yeah. battle. <laughs> Dan Sickles says you can go fetch yourself. (laughs) You're listening to Laughing Historically with Adam Lax, Adam Coonan, and Dr. History Scholar. (laughs) All right. Thank you for tuning in. This is Laughing Historically. I'm your host, Adam Lax. And on the ones and twos, we've got Adam Coonan. Yo, yo. And our resident scholar, all-knowing being, uh, <laughs> deity, 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 history, uh, history deity, omni- omnipresent force, uh, Doctor History Sage Scholar. The what were we twenty fifth now? We uh, you know what? Let's go with twenty fifth. I like that, Doctor History <laughs> yeah. Sage Scholar. The twenty fifth. He's managed to see the past and the future, mm-hmm. um, and he's just here to hang out yeah. and let us know yeah. how well, that happened. Well, uh, yeah, he. Had, so argue with him in the comments if you want. <laughs> if you want someone you're related to to suddenly have a stroke, <laughs> go ahead and argue with him. I guess that's on he's, you. He's, he that knows is, what's going to happen. That so. is that is how I tend to fight. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's on seen Independence some shit. Day, I'm spreading goat blood on my door <laughs> so that he will pass me by. <laughs> that's a callback. It's like, uh, that's, that's a biblical callback. That's a call way back. <laughs> right. that's to my Hebrew homies. So <laughs> that's what Jewish people are call so good at calling. They're like, where are callbacks? Go back all the way. <laughs> Every year Passover, it's a, a callback. It's actually... <laughs> Uh, tradition uh, to, to, to the you know the OG mm-hmm. the original tradition God. is just an unfunny callback that you have to do every generation. Yeah. Right. So shall we? Yeah, we're oh, gonna yeah, get into it with uh, this day in history. Fantastic! So this day is May seventh. Uh, so I have here, uh, you know, this is gonna be a very you know military history themed episode. So this day in eighteen sixty four. 
Uh, so weird. Yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> hey, you should I'm, probably do... I've pumped the brakes on the military history the last should, couple of episodes. That's true, he does. This is right. actually when we start forming our own militia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. there's some governors that need a kidnapping. <laughs> I'm gonna, get real, I'm gonna get real close to the mic, NSA. I, I am not planning to get yeah, out no, no, for the FBI listening in on this uh, podcast episode. Kunin is a lone ranger. Yeah, I joke. Uh, I, I joke a lot about how we should cut things out. We don't. I think we're gonna actually really cut that one out. Like, hang on, hang on, Adam. You are editing this right now. <laughs> Cut that shit out. It's not, you have a job. It's not worth it. To all our governors, we love you. Yeah. So yeah. In, 18, well, in 1864. No, Santa's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, There's sorry. plenty of exceptions. Um, so in 1864, the Union Army of the Potomac, under the command of uh, General Grant, breaks off fighting. Uh, with, uh, during the Battle of the Wilderness with the... Fuck Atlanta. They got lost. No, no, no. They, <laughs> they, they, they break off. They, they fought for two days with, with Lee's Army of Northern Virginia. And, and by the best, like putting it in the most positive light, the Battle of the Wilderness is a draw. Like that's, mm. that's being positive yeah. to the Union Army. Uh, and they make it to a crossroads. And they literally understand that if they march left at the crossroads, that means they're marching back to Washington, that they'd like lost the battle and they're retreating. And if they turn right at the crossroads, they're going to keep going south. And Grant orders the army to turn right, to march south. Uh, And literally the army of the Potomac cheers as they march south. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because they'd spent the last three years, every time they'd ever fought a battle, their, their commanding generals always go, oh, we're beaten, we need to go back. Um, and and Grant's like, no, we just you know this was round one. We're gonna we're gonna this is gonna be a, like an eighteen round fight. Those last few battles were brutal. Oh, like they like the, had some serious uh, yeah. casualties towards the end. No, no, the Overland campaign is uh, uh, the historian James McPherson uh, calls it like the first truly modern campaign. And what he means by that is uh, it's the first campaign the U.S. Army ever fights where the soldiers are essentially in combat every single day for like not three months in a row mm-hmm. um because even though there are these big big battles so there's like chance or not chance uh wilderness and then spotsylvania courthouse Petersburg. yep and then and and a couple others in between there's these big battles but even in between there's these running skirmishes between the two armies like they mm. are physically in contact with one another from may 5th because it's a two-day battle and we're on the 7th from may 5th 1864 until lee surrenders at appomattox the army of the potomac never breaks contact like meaningfully breaks contact with the army of northern virginia uh, which is very so, weird it's, well it's sort of world war one-y right no, no like, that's that's it's, true it's kind of, like, yeah, yeah, they started yeah. digging in with the trench like, no no they, well no but then you're you're also the the retreating armies understanding that a fighting retreat in mm-hmm. modern warfare is always going to be like the better yeah. retreat option right because yeah. if well, if you, you yeah. can't break off while you're retreating because if mm. you break off while you're retreating, it's sort of like a route, right? Yeah. Like it's gonna they're gonna surround you and stuff. Whereas if you're just constantly sort of shooting at yeah. them and moving back and shooting at them and moving mm-hmm. back, that's but more it, or less what Germany did at the end of World War II. Too, yeah. Basically. Well, and and but it's just something that hadn't happened to this point. Mm-hmm. Like after the battle, before and after the Battle of Gettysburg, for instance, to use that as the example. Um, you know, it's three days of fighting from July 1st to July 3rd, and then it's a lot of, like, maneuver with no fighting mm-hmm. in between. Um, and, and it's months in between battles. And so what's interesting also, you know, to, to your point, Lax, with, with the number of casualties, this is sort of a hobby horse of mine because people call Grant a butcher. 
um, when you calculate the casualties, because I've done this, you know, because I use my time wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to beat a dead hobby horse. Yeah. You do. <laughs> you do. Uh, if you calculate all of the casualties from like the summer of 1862 is when, when the war in the East really picks up with the battle called the Seven Days Battle, because there were seven battles in seven days, because historians oh. are really good at naming things. From the Seven Days Battle to the Battle of Gettysburg, uh, which is about a year from July, June, July 1862 to July 1863, those casualties are higher, combined casualties are higher than the casualties from the wilderness hmm. in 1860, May 1864 to April 1865. Hmm. So, like, even though Grant is racking up these casualties, he's moving the ball forward, to use a really weird metaphor. Like, he's actually doing something with those casualties, which mm-hmm. is pressing Lee to the wall. Um, Lee suffers... Per- should, yeah. yeah, Lee uh, suffers proportionally. I like that. that I like that imagery. <laughs> <laughs> Sherman, no, stop. I'm already pressed against the wall. So I'm going to press you against the wall harder. So in 1915. So in 1915, a German U boat sinks the British liner Lusitania off the coast of Ireland, killing nearly 1,200, including over 100 Americans. Is uh, that a false flag operation? So it killed a hundred important people. <laughs> uh, the Ameri- <laughs> that, that, that was the thing that brought us in, but no, kinda... it, it didn't. It, it, so, like, that's an interesting thing. The American people are outraged by this, but President Wilson resists the pulled war. Um, there's two things going on here. One, the Lusitania was almost certainly carrying ammunition, oh, yeah. uh, principally based off of how fast it sank. Like, the ship sank. The reason so many people die is that the ship just sort of sinks immediately. And the only reason it would do that is if a torpedo struck a bunch of ammunition and it exploded. Um, But then secondly, you know, it takes two more years before the United States declares war on Germany. Um, And, and honestly, what Wilson does, Wilson threatens war in 1915 and the Germans actually back off of unrestricted submarine warfare, right? Mm. The the Germans Mm. sink the Lusitania. Wilson says to them, this is, this is not okay. And the Germans go, okay, it's not worth bringing the United States in. Um, and in, in December of 1916, the German general staff will say, We're, we need to do unrestricted submarine warfare again. And, and they go, we know the Americans will enter the war, but it doesn't matter. We'll win. Their, their calculation in December 1916 is, we will win the war before the Americans make their presence felt. And can actually like, mobilize yeah. to any like, meaningful right, right, and, right. and on top of that, the German Navy made the extraordinarily a uh, huge boast that they would just sink the American army before it made it across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous that because is uh, because only like one U.S. troop transport was sunk mm-hmm. crossing the Atlantic in 1917, 1918. Like the Germans didn't come anywhere near yeah. stopping the American army, but that was their calculation. Yeah, that was actually we called that the decoy ship, and we put all the Irish on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I make it's a ship that, filled with potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actual Irish people, but I, right. I pick my ethnicities for these jokes very carefully. <laughs> we put all the Dutch on it. We put all our Swiss. We put all our Swiss people on it. All we right. had a very large Swiss population until 1917. <laughs> we, we did. It we just literally just emptied out our Swiss population <laughs> on one of those ships. There actually used to be a Swiss population in the U.S. Funny. Story. 
there are, there are, see, it's funny because there are mountain people, so drowning <laughs> is sort of ironic in a weird way. And then finally in... I'm ni- just drowning in chocolate <laughs> and other people's money. <laughs> Don't ask where it came from. <laughs> no more questions. So, no, right. in 1954... Uh, the Battle of Dien Bien Phu in modern Vietnam ends with the surrender of the French garrison to the communist Viet Minh insurgents. Mm. This battle ends the French Indochina oh, no. War and paves the way for increased American involvement in Southeast Asia. Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. So, well, was, that all turned out. This okay. is one thing. They, they, mm-hmm. Things got frisky after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, <laughs> frisky? <laughs> that is an amazing we, way to. We, we came in with the Agent Orange. God, America's so just like and America. Uh, we're so good at being the guy who's like, "Let us show you how it's done," <laughs> and then gets our ass kicked, and it's like, "I could have done it if like my knee. I had knee surgery a couple of weeks ago. Bro, you and cheated, I just, like, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking. Yeah, it no, wasn't hey, a fair fight. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. only had like eight hundred to one odds of beating listen, your ass. Like, listen, I know our bombing was good, but the sun was in our eyes the whole time. <laughs> So we didn't bomb quite good enough because of the sun. So So. if you guys didn't hide and take it like a man, (laughs) we could have won this thing. I love it too. We have the fucking, apparently we had the mathematics skills of that jock asshole too in that war. Because it was like, well, I think we reported that we killed twice your population (laughs) in three years. What happened? This doesn't. Somebody was lying someplace, guys. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> so, so today's. We, uh, and now it's just um, for sweatshops. That's, mm-hmm. that's well, and, uh, and a possible so ally a happy against ending. China. What? And a possible ally against China. There's like the real, very real, yeah. Are we aligning? There's a very real possibility that in the future, very weird. Communist versus communist? That, yeah, no. uh, What a world. That the United States military will return to Vietnam to defend Vietnam against the Chinese. That is oh, no. that is a thing that might happen, um, but yeah. So today's I, topic, I do want to just point out that Adam mm-hmm. said happy ending multiple times on Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> but we know we're gonna happy so, ending. Yeah, yeah, Vietnam. Really. So listen, Vietnam. Uh, we'll come and defend you from China, but like, we'll happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 listening audience I'm on a, I'm a, it's been a bad day I'm on a real fucking tear today yeah. so I won't be held responsible for anything I say okay uh, so should t- we start the episode yeah so today so what, what the fuck are we talking about here Mike today we're talking about Henry V uh, king conqueror or villain uh, so I discovered uh, Henry V and the Battle of Agincourt in, in college like that was when I actually uh, you know, learned about this. We're and, doing the Battle of Agincourt. We're doing the Battle oh, of Agincourt. I don't know anything about this. Hey, all right, You're gonna Adam, love right, what, right, how do you feel? Me. How do you feel about the French nobility? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of the, the French Revolution. The, so then you're gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, the, uh, let me the, tell you, the, uh, this uh, battle the, is right up your alley. If you like to see French nobles doing stupid <laughs> things and dying for it, there we it. go. <laughs> so so there's a romance about the idea of an outnumbered army of mostly yeoman farmers defeating an army of French noblemen. Uh, Henry V and Shakespeare is what many young men aspire to be. Uh, I certainly did when I was 19. Uh, Who'd you aspire to be? Henry V from from Shakespeare. Oh. The, the, the St. Crispin's Day speech. Oh. 
Yeah, is, I've is, never read that one. The sh- the, but you've heard the St. Crispin's Day speech, or at least part of it. Okay. So uh, about dogs barking he's dogs assuming to things. war? No, no, that's from, I think, that's from a different one. No, this is the, we few, we happy few, we bandit brothers, wherever sheds his blood with me this day shall be my brother, be he ne'er so vile this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, will curse themselves they were not here, wow. and hold their manhood's cheeps whilst then he speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. I literally Holy just shit. heard how little sex Michael had yeah. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like that sounds like a lot of late nights in the dorm. Yeah. Uh, so, wow. Damn, so, 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 he was busy. He's smiling, <laughs> memorizing Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but as you delve into it, the picture uh, becomes more complicated. As historian John Keegan put it, quote. Agincourt is one of the most instantly vividly visualized of all epic passages in English history, and one of the most satisfactory to contemplate. It is a victory of the weak over the strong, of the common soldier over the mounted knight, of of resolution over bombast, of the desperate, cornered, and far from home, over the propitorial and cocksure. It is an episode to quick the interest of any schoolboy ever bored by a history lesson and a set-piece demonstration of English moral superiority. Oh. It is also a story okay, of... Now, s- I'm, <laughs> now I'm starting to feel like I'm going to hate unite. all yeah. of this. Yeah, I'm going to hate this whole thing. It's also a story of slaughter yard behavior and out-and-out atrocity. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. Repeat that, please. It is also a story of slaughter yard behavior and out-and-out atrocity. Slaughter yard behavior. Yes. That's a new. That's a new turn of phrase I've never heard yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Is that vivid? So it's good, right? Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good behavior. I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone likes you know, slaughter it, yards. I like bacon, meat. Um, yeah, you know, you yeah. want to. That's the place you want to hang out. Yeah. And is a slaughter yard. So, so Henry V is not a person most moderns would get along with, like the actual one. Uh, this is great. This is true for, of a great number of pre-modern historical figures, but the way he's portrayed in Shakespeare is wildly different from the historical record. The Battle of Agincourt and its attendant campaign were a war of conquest, unjust by any modern standard, and barely just by the standard of their own day. So today, I thought we'd look at Henry V and the Battle of Agincourt. So let's talk what? about real quick the mm-hmm. standard of their own day versus mm-hmm. the standard of today. The, can, can, what's a big yeah yeah? Let, so what's the distinction for there? So so for instance, when I say justified, what I mean by that is is that like um, a war of conquest is by modern standards never justified, mm-hmm. right? Like that, it doesn't matter right. if they occur; they're not justified, right? Right, and so you have to uh, come up with if you're going to fight a war of conquest. Uh, you have to come up with Byzantine, labyrinthine reasoning for why you're fighting a war. Mm-hmm. In modern day. Yeah, in the modern day. Ah, the, 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 the terrible, corrupt government of the Western-supported right. country yeah. Yeah. Is, is actually holding the, the, all the Russian-speaking the Jew- people. The Jewish Nazi that yeah. currently lives in Kiev. The weapons of mass destruction. The weapons of mass destruction Crazy of butcher of yeah. Iraq. Yeah. That's a very good, another good yeah. example. You, you need both of those things, like you've got these very labyrinthine things the idea that you can just invade another country so in the middle ages a war of conquest is a perfectly normal thing if you have a genuine claim to what you say you're taking so you need like a you need, like a birth claim you need a birth like claim or something along those lines and and henry v's invasion of france in in 1415 barely meets that standard but you had to justify that shit you, you still did uh, because again the middle ages especially the later middle ages are very legalistic mm. really uh, they're not liberal but they're legalistic and there's the what i mean by that is it's like 
they they cared what other people thought, but it was only a very small subset of people. Right. So it they wasn't had, as they hard. They had to rally the, the nobles, essentially, yeah, right? And the church and and things like that. The church. It's like a small. Was, they had to persuade a small group of people yes. that this was worthwhile. And yes. the, definitely the church was the big like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of this because I play medieval to total war, and it's not a bad. <laughs> but it's not a bad school. Yeah. It, it, honestly, it literally, it's just like the church would be like, we can't have Christians fighting Christians, no, right? Like right. it basically not means for no. Both sides that was the only go to hell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the ones yeah. who die go to hell for fighting Christians, and the Christians who kill the ones that die will eventually, eventually go to hell for killing Christians. Yeah. Which is why the Spanish were so lucky because mm-hmm. there was a bunch of just right, super yeah, non Christians yeah, yeah, right yeah, next yeah. door. Oh, wow. That was. Wow. They were like, thank God. They're like, uh, go thank, south. God, thank God for that justification. Yeah. It way easier. So, part one the King of England and of France. So Henry V, King of England and of France and Lord of Ireland, was not born as such. He was born Henry of Monmouth on September 16th, 1386 at Monmouth Castle in Wales. How did he become Lord of Ireland? We're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> that a lot, don't we? That was, I mean, so that, sorry. Was, that was actually uh, just the t- uh, title that English kings had before. I, no, I know. Yeah. He didn't actually invade Ireland. Ireland right. had been invaded for 300 years. Yeah, no, they get Ireland get, was just like, here, yeah, rule they, us. They were super cool with it. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like, like please, please come over and us. rule us, English pl- people. Pl- please mm-hmm. pillage us. Yeah. Um, we're so, open for business. Oh, yeah. yeah. Away. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows we have a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And we love the English. Oh, yeah, the English are. Just so super smart and special <laughs> that they should come here and just like tell us what to do all the time and what to grow and where to live and where what, to go and, and what and, religion to be yeah. and what accent to do when you're and, on and, a podcast and, and, and it I, gets it went extra Wisconsin. spicy yeah, it went Wisconsin. when the famine comes around. <laughs> so, um. so, so Henry was the eldest son of Henry Bolingbroke, uh, who, who was a grandson of Edward the Third, also a baller. Mm-hmm. Ball into the brook. I don't yeah. know. I don't so know. Edward the Third was the one who'd started the Hundred Years' War. Uh, so this is all during this. All this, this battles during the Hundred Years' War. Yes, this is towards the the latter half of the Hundred Years' War. Edward the Third had claimed the throne of France through his mother. Okay. Um, and cool. and so this had started the Hundred Years' War. So Henry V was born during the reign of his uncle Richard the Second, who in 1399 was deposed by Henry's father. So Henry of Bolingbroke. Uh, becomes Henry the Fourth, okay. uh, and the young Henry becomes Prince of Wales. Uh, and the chaos and turmoil of Henry the Fourth overthrowing Richard the Second led to a series of wars and rebellions throughout England and Wales. Uh, so, from the age of fourteen, Henry fought in these campaigns uh, against all of these rebellions. Is this like a Game of Thrones type thing. Yeah, where they're like, man. Yep. Fourteen. Can you yep. ima- for, me at fourteen? I I couldn't wear armor. <laughs> Fight, fighting or like a, ride a horse. Well, yeah, but you would have been a. You wouldn't have been a. Yeah, you fair. would have been a squire, right? You would have been like riding next to them yeah, and being yeah, like, "Here, yeah. take this yeah, next yeah, lance hold, or whatever." Hold, yeah, hold this like super ass heavy yeah. sword. That's true. Yeah. Um, you just hand them shit, and then they'd go fight, and then they'd come back, and you'd hand them more shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. kind of what squires did, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And and you learned you learned how to do all of this stuff. Yeah, you learned how but, armor went on. You learned how to maintain. But a he horse. he didn't have that period. He was just thrown into the. Well, no, I mean he did. That's it, but ended, would, it ended at fourteen or fifteen. Uh, okay. But uh, but a knight might have a couple of squires. Yeah, and no, they would no. all fight together. They That's would, one of the they, things yeah. movies never gets oh, yeah, right. Yeah, movies, yeah. Squires, squires, squires were in the battle. They, oh, it depends on how 
old they were and, and how wealthy the knight was. And there's a bunch of the yeah, middle ages. A lot ages, of times you yeah. might have a single knight, mm-hmm. but like when you, when they ride in and they're all kind of wearing the exact same armor and mm-hmm. they all kind of look the same. Right, yeah. No, it would be they like, gonna come the, for them. the Mongols kind of had a similar thing. It's like each knight was its own little unit. Yeah. Right. Because well, that's you where had we get squires the term- that would Mongols like, had knights. No, but, but this is where we get the, the same kind of, no, but right. he was saying that they, I, but this is where we get the term freelance. Mm-hmm. A freelance is a mercenary who is a knight who has a group of soldiers who follows him around. Mm-hmm. He is a freelance. Yeah, so like you might see an armored guy on a horse with a big sword and yeah. maybe a spear or whatever, but like right behind him are a bunch of other dudes, like either mm-hmm. on foot or on mm-hmm. smaller, shittier horses, like yeah. with lances and stuff. Like yeah. they fought as a little like unit. They yeah. didn't just like charge in. Yeah. Like on like these rows, you know, like in a Braveheart yeah. or whatever. Or, well, or or they might they might our favorite movie. They, yeah, Heart. favorite movie. <laughs> they might they might they might not follow directly behind one another, but that's how they're organized. Like their yeah, yeah. organization is based around the knight bringing people with him. Yeah, yeah. If there was like a, a cavalry yeah. charge, you wouldn't yeah. probably have the squire. But yeah. if you were just like kind yeah. of fighting a battle yeah. in the yeah, they'd be yeah. around. Well, yeah. So the, spears, the basically be... they had to corral the knights. To, yeah. Well, to and also they had to carry them. all their health potions. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> health potions. Yeah, yeah. God they would drink it. them and they'd get their HP back. Never. Mind. <laughs> never, mind. never played <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'm, neither have I. <laughs> uh, this is an lie. inside joke between yeah. Adam Coonan and Michael so, Sage Scholar. So, so at age 16, uh, he fought alongside his father at a, play, at a battle called Shrewsbury against English rebels who thought that their lord, Lord Percy, had a better claim to the English throne than Henry IV. And during the battle, while in the thick of the fighting, young Henry takes an arrow to the face, just below the right eye. It punches through his helmet and goes into his face, just below the right eye. Uh, and the point sank to a depth of six inches into his face. Holy wow, shit. they get that kind of detail? Yep. Wow. So if Henry had been a common soldier, he would have been left on the field to die. If he'd been a knight or even a lord, he would have been taken to the nearest church or monastery and left there to die. Yeah. But he was the Prince of Wales, the heir apparent to the throne of England. He thus underwent a surgery without an aesthetic, using a specialized tool designed for the operation that widened the wound and removed the arrow with wooden dowels coated in honey and using as a disinfectant white wine. Lucky. Henry V. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, comparatively. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't know yeah. they could uh, do that kind of uh, uh, it was, like it, intense surgery. It was then. the on- only because he was the Prince of Wales. This, yeah, was, yeah. this was not something that was could this? be like replicated. Oh, yeah, he they were like, he we got, got nothing else, but we really need to save this guy. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to try. He like, basically got healthcare the way that the American rich get healthcare. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, wait, you need something that works perfectly only for you sometimes if you have enough money. Yeah. yeah. So oh, like okay. nowadays, like, you need robot legs? Yeah. Like, it will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, so listen, we have Tony Stark shit here, but we don't let the regular people yeah. use it. We, we, right. We've got life extenders here. Um, life extender pills. So he he will live the rest of his life with this very prominent scar on the right hand side of his face. Does it look badass or does it look yeah. terrible? So so that's the thing. We don't have any. Yeah. Actually, how do we know? We don't have any contemporary portraits. But the girls of, of like Henry all the over. They're like. So we oh, don't have. I love your scar. That Henry wouldn't have been all that interested in. Oh, um, oh we'll wait, get to whoa, that in a minute. We'll get to that shit. in a minute. What? Whoa, oh, this story's getting wow. great. This is getting great. So, so, so with the boys? So, so, <laughs> no, he wouldn't have been interested in that either. So he had a scar on the right. We have no contemporary portraits of him. 
The closest one we have is from a series of uh, portraits of English kings, and all of the other kings in the line are in a three-quarters profile. So they're looking kind of like past you. Uh-huh. Henry V's portrait is in profile, so you can only see the left-hand side of his face. He's just like, and, don't, don't and, and so bring attention to it. It does seem like it would have been this very disfiguring scar. Uh, but we they don't do think you felt insecure about it? Probably. Yeah, they didn't quite have the body positivity. How, how would you feel if you had a secure or a scar on your face? I, on I, my face like that? I don't, I don't know. know if I'm king, though. Yeah, I don't know. How, like, at this point in the Middle Ages, could kings still get like fucking crazy? Uh, so the problem is he can't because remember, his dad came to power in a military coup. Yeah. He's not exactly secure on the throne. Oh, so it's not like he can like yeah. have a whole, no, a whole fucking wing of his house. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah a for, fuck wing? No, yeah, yeah, he can't yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Fifty just, Shades of Greymore or whatever. Well, what happened in the fuck wing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that, was his, that was his uncle Richard II. Richard II that, had a fuck wing? I don't think he had that, but he definitely... <laughs> Wait, say it. <laughs> say it. <laughs> I don't think he had a fuck wing. Yeah, he had a fornication uh, uh, station. Uh, in, <laughs> so, but the point is, is that Richard II was more like our. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't that go in fucks. Is that what you're saying? No, actually, that's <laughs> not true. Either. This <laughs> guy fucks. Like, Edward, Edward the Third fucked. Edward the Third had <laughs> one just a ton of kids, but also he had a bunch of mistresses. Richard II didn't really have mistresses, but he was really arbitrary. Uh, he he would just like lock people up or exile people, and that's in something he felt he could do because he's the last like what is called the true Plantagenets. Like they'd been on the throne of England for a hundred and fifty, two hundred yeah, years. Plantagenet, the- right? I'm yeah, saying that. Right. Doesn't yeah, that have house? something to do with King Arthur or something? No, no. no. It's, it, they, it, this is the the family that came after the Norman conquest. So uh, the Normans. The Normans ruled England for like 80 years, and when the last Norman king dies, the person who takes over is of the family Plantagenet, um, and and they're from France. But but the point is, is that by the time of strike against them, uh, so are the Normans. Uh, Oh, that's true. Henry V is the first English is the first English king since the English uh, the Norman conquest to write his personal letters in English. Hmm. Uh, Every king before him had written French. Yeah, had written their personal letters at least in French. Um, and so, so the kings of England for like 300 years are just very French, um, which is always funny in movies because like Richard the Lionheart is always portrayed as the most English Englishman who's ever English, born and raised in Southern France, hated England, thought it was boring and dreary. Yeah. Oh, he, he went there like once. He like went there like once in his life and it was to be crowned king of England and then immediately left. Wow. Um, so in 1413 history, I mean. You know, he yeah. had a point. He did a little bit. <laughs> like, I've, been to, I've been to England, and you're yeah. like, mm, I mean, yeah. it rains a lot here. It and does. kind of a dick. F- the food, uh, <laughs> I mean, so, so definitely here, low on the culinary uh, scale. I, I, like, I like the food, but I'm also really boring. Well, uh, but, but like, problem, what is British food? It's just bangers and bean, mash. Bangers you know? and mash. Yeah. And, okay, so the one thing that the British the and the Irish do... The only thing they do is do, fish and chips. Yeah, I love no. fish and chips. The one thing that the British and the Irish do really well, fucking breakfast. Mm. They yes. will, you will what tuck those, in for a bit of brekkie. And, yeah. The and English either, breakfast where you get like beans and shit? Yeah, well, uh, you don't need to eat the beans. but, but the First fact, of all, eat the beans. They I fucking rule. I, I don't like baked beans, but... Yeah, but put having, it, you put, put them on the bread and then you put the mustard on. And right, so, so having a couple of fried uh, eggs and toast and bacon and sausage and ham... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and wash it all down with a bunch way. of coffee is fantastic. That is, that is, yeah, it's, it's the best. 
Um, I feel like that's why British people are so uptight Mm -hmm. is that they (laughs) they eat all of that and then they have caffeinated items all day but they can't poop anywhere (laughs) because they're British so they just run they're just all day they're just tight butthole just like oh yes excuse me oh that's why they always look like they're on their way to a bathroom someplace oh excuse me yep just trying to get through oh okay I feel like British food is like American food where it needed outsiders to like upgrade it like Indian food that's like Mexican like essentially like the American food would be nothing without anyone else no (laughs) but you could say so this is and jokes aside or whatever but this is something that i I feel pretty uh confident in i'm not i'm not the resident deified history scholar right but i know a thing or two and honestly if you look at all the best cuisines in the world Mm -hmm. the one thing they have in common is their proximity to the silk road well, Every yeah, single spice. one of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, spice. Yeah, yeah. no, it, well, yeah. But it's not just <laughs> I mean, spice. It's yeah, like it gave the flavor. It's, it brought it, the flavor. It's, it's the whole. It's all of it. Yeah. It's the entire exchange of ideas because the first actual like noodles that yeah. we, you would see as like spaghetti linguine mm-hmm. came from Central Asia. Yeah. yeah. Right, and then the eventually it came through all the way to Italy, and the Italy, Italians are like, oh, we can boil water or whatever. Yeah. Right, and right, then, right, you know right. what I mean? And they yeah, did. It didn't make it up <clears> north. No. Yeah, it's all is of that, that stuff. Is that what your roundabout point What's is? That? Is that your point? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, like the far... I mean, look at fucking Norwegian food. They're it's, like, so we rot fish in the sun, <laughs> and then we put... And then, and then we pickle it. <laughs> yeah, and then we put so, a very abrasive chemical yeah, it, on it, 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 then we wash it, it, it off, it, and then we just, eat it, and it's holiday. You're saying they're geographically disadvantaged is that, yeah, to, to, yeah. to flavor. To yes, flavor, yeah. yes. flavor town. <laughs> well, part of, it, part of it is just like flavor. innovation, right? Like there's not the same level of like innovation. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you get closer to the... Did you say flavation? Flavor, I did. <laughs> you just bam, bam, emerald, bam. 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 <laughs> so, I live by a silk road. Neologisms, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Southern France was like uh, a bim. So, uh, listen, turn it up. Uh, All right, Michael's looking at his watch. We're on, we're on part one. We should probably keep her moving. Yeah. We're on page two. How many pages? Oh, fuck. I think 14. <laughs> <laughs> but we're having so much fun. We are. We are. We so are. in 1413, Henry IV died. And on April 9th, Lucky. 1413, Lucky. Palm Sunday, Henry V took the throne at the age of 25. So who was this remarkable man? So at Christmas of 1414, he was described as, quote, a thoughtful-looking man of 28. He had a long face, a straight nose, and broad forehead. The scar of an old error wound disfigured his right cheek. Despite this, there was a certain innocence about his expression, a vestige of the innocence of boyhood, end quote. He's like Seal. <laughs> you keep making Seal jokes. I love Seal. Yeah. Yeah, there is so much a king can tell you, so much he can say. So he kissed Pharaohs on the ground. Yeah, we're going to do karaoke. This is yeah, the rest yeah. of the show. Fair hands <laughs> will be England someday. <laughs> <laughs> is that why the war of roses yeah. or was yeah. just a we yeah. will own a it quarter a, of the world it was a fight oh, over karaoke yeah. the war of the roses mm. uh so it should have been shit so he was of above average height he's slim and athletic he has hazel eyes and and thick brown hair he's clean shaven which contemporaries made uh said made him look like a priest so most uh men kept facial hair um, he doesn't. He's clean Wait, shaven. So priests had to shave. Yeah, most priests in the in the 15th century are clean shaven. Um, he uh, 
he was well-dressed, but not foppish. He spoke little, uh, but paid close attention to whoever was talking. He was not easygoing or joyful. Uh, there was no frivolity in his personality. His speech was succinct and almost always uttered in a low tone of voice. He was a good hunter, a tireless administrator, and orthodoxically pious to the point of zealotry. He had no mistress while he was king, which was unusual for English kings in this time period. So he was really religious. Very religious, mm. especially for the unmarried ones. Uh, it was very, it was sort of normal to be like, oh, I have a mistress, and then get married and be like, okay, now I'm monogamous. Right. Now uh, I, I'm doing Cody Fingers, listeners. Yeah. Don't have a mistress. Yeah. <laughs> or they're all gone. I promise. So not a cleaned f- out the fuck wing. <laughs> <laughs> you just move, you're like, sir, why are we moving the fuck wing underground? <laughs> you know why. Sven. <laughs> the fornication so stage. Sven, my Norwegian manservant. Uh, now go off to your holiday where you eat raw fish. Sven. So there take was- care of my fuck wing. <laughs> With your Ludafisk. Ying, ying, ying. Ludafisk. It's disgusting. Uh, so there was little compassion, warmth, or understanding of human frailty in Henry. Uh, his orders uh, speak of the king's, quote, grievous wrath, end quote, if not carried out immediately and exactly. Uh, all the while, there are no accounts of him as king actually enjoying himself. Like, there's just, there's no accounts of him just, like, taking a day off. Why is it that the so most, So he's not like, a joyful person. No, he's not. He, and that's what he's I said. He's a dour motherfucker. Yeah, that's why I said at the beginning, he's not a person we would, any of us would get along with. See, the, it's way too intense all so the time. So one of the few actual world influencing people in history that I actually look up to is Da Vinci, mm-hmm. right? And the reason yeah. is he just hung out in his fucking workshop did his shit probably had adhd so that's real close to my heart Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like but he just like he was like yeah all right i can paint this and i can tell this fucking merchant to do this or whatever like everyone else who like influenced history is just such a fucking piece of shit like they're just joyless yeah yeah asshole like could you imagine actually being friends with julius caesar no like oh my god he has literally talked about himself in the third person person for the past three hours (laughs) there is not enough coke in the world to make this party fun (laughs) and we've tried yeah we we don't yeah this is rome we have all the coke we have the most amount like Genghis Khan, the yeah. same fucking thing. Where yeah. it's just like, hey, Genghis, you want to have a party? He's like, well, we'll have a party once all the people everywhere are conquered. <laughs> yeah, well, Genghis, that's going to be fucking <laughs> a long time. Oh, yeah, the party yeah, at least three months. The world Jesus around. Christ, at least three months. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We have horses. You don't understand. Right? Uh, so, They're all miserable pricks. I just every fucking Napoleon. Oh yeah, no, oh, Napoleon sucked. Drinking with Napoleon. Oh my god. Drinking with Napoleon would make me want to stab my fucking eyes out with an ice pick. I was just like, oh, you know who's oh are sup- you really not that short? You know, oh, you know who's a British You know, you know who might here? have been actually a surprisingly fun person to hang out with? Who? Last person you'd expect. George Washington. Oh, he would have ripped, dude. Yeah, he loved loved good liked to drink. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. had his own distillery. Really? Sick ass teeth. Big big fan of dancing. Like legitimate, yeah. He danced with every at his inauguration ball. He danced with every single woman at his inauguration ball. 
except his wife. <laughs> not joking. Like, he was a lot of fun. Really? I, apparently, yeah, he told true. dirty jokes in his letters and then edited all of his letters to not have dirty jokes in them. <laughs> all right, so I, I really wish I would have partied with Washington, actually. Also, he was chill as fuck. He was one of the only, like, founding fathers Benjamin to actually... Franklin. Oh, oh ben, yeah. Franklin... Franklin was fucked. Uh, no, Franklin was the Chris Farley of the If we don't declare independence, you're going to be living in a in a caravan down by the Delaware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like he was the one who was like, "Man, all right, man. Oh, who are you going out with tonight? You're you're going out with Franklin tonight, Benny Benny F. Benny you're going out with Benny F. Because listen, he told me earlier he's got his drinking shoes on, and that. Guy, like, are you ready? Did you eat today? Like, are you? What am I? Uh, can you go go invent Gatorade for the hangover you're gonna have tomorrow? He's the craziest. Washington would like hang out, shoot the shit or whatever. He'd be like, ah, I gotta go talk to some Jews in the morning, and everybody else is like, oh! and he's like, what? It's fine. Whatever, it'll be cool. Yeah, it'll be cool. Have you ever actually hung out with any of them? They're pretty cool guys. Fuck you, Jefferson. Everybody knows what you're doing behind closed doors. Everybody saw you take that. 14 year old of France <laughs> but, no. wow George Washington getting real <laughs> George, George Washington's laying down facts everyone's like oh Washington's on a tear again everybody get out of here uh, so but back to Henry V uh, much better is that person. who we're talking about yeah, yeah so he did not tolerate what he viewed as immoral <laughs> uh, and his piety was demonstrably more intense than his predecessors he thought of himself as literally a warrior of God the combination of severity and piety brought That's about the never a good sign. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. brought about the most intense religious persecution seen in England for more than a century against um, a certain group of people. No, those those people had already been kicked out by Edward the First. Oh. They they weren't there. What do you mean? <laughs> what what group of people? Um, they might have had some kind of surgery uh, oh, when they were I born. I the, the male spe- species. Oh. Yeah. He's talking about Quakers. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I extended that O is I was trying to think of a different group of people, and I couldn't think of a good one that had so, surgery at, at birth. Um, so, the Satanists. <laughs> so, so um, the Celtics. I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so. <laughs> so England in the in the fourteen in the late fourteenth and early fifteenth centuries experienced a heresy called Lollardism. Uh, the Lollards were a kind of proto Protestants who believed that salvation was personal, that the church was useless and corrupt, and that people should read the Bible in English. Uh, Lollard apparently comes from a f- the fact that they read the Bible, and it's supposed to be a joke about how one's head sort of bobs up and down as you read on a page. Uh, that's that's a so it's like an old English word or like a Middle English word. Is it middle English for libtard? I feel like it's better. Like, oh, what are you reading? You yeah. reading your Bible? Stopping oh. your head up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's so, gonna dye their hair purple like and start telling me how to live. Oh. So so heresy to a fat beat. what are you listening to new testament yeah (laughs) Yeah. so heresy had not been a civil crime in england until 1401 uh before that it had been tried in church courts uh but the church didn't have the death penalty so it had to hand people over to civil authorities to do that um so henry the fourth who was uh also very pious burned two heretics in 14 years on the throne 
So in his 14 years, he puts two heretics to death. Jesus would appreciate that. Yes, right? he would have. He would have I, I, I always love that warrior for God. <laughs> yeah. Like literally the son of God, it was like, don't do war. And people later were just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill a bunch of people. Sorry, did you say war? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be a, a, a killer for God. God, God damn it. Yeah. Every time. Appreciates a good, uh, you know, <laughs> killing at the stakes. Yeah. God was like, me, damn it. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> But uh, one of one of the uh, Henry the Fourth has two heretics burned. Uh, one of whom was offered a pardon if they was this any witch related? Was no, this these, the witch, this, this, witch trials. Or no, anything? these aren't witch trials. These are just people who who hold her, quote unquote heretical so, beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Um, men, uh, yeah, they're they yeah, they tend to be men. Um, well, yeah, but I think it's because if you're a heretic and a woman, you're, you're a witch. witch. Yeah. So, but I mean, but the point the point being there, and and that might be true in this particular case both of these people are men um one of them was offered a pardon if they recanted uh, they refused and thus they were burned uh the two kings before henry the fourth who are edward the third and richard the second who collectively reigned from 1327 to 1399 had executed no heretics Hmm. so between 1327 and 1413 the total number of heretics executed in england by the state is two Henry V executed seven between uh, in 1414 alone. He has seven people burned at the stake in 1414 alone. He triples the number of heretics burned in a year. Um, hey, man. Any, any reason for the burning? Or like that that choice of a... Uh, it was death. a cleansing thing, it's, right? Like it, the and, whole... it was, and it was supposed to be like, you know, because you were always offered, in, in, in this case, you were always offered it an opportunity to recant, an opportunity okay. to, to be like, I, I, I reject this. And I returned to the mother church. Okay. Um, and if you didn't, it was symbolic of the hell that you were about to go to, hmm. uh, that you were burned. Um, and, uh, and most people... The mo- hell thing. Yeah. And most people died of Damnation. smoke inhalation. Uh, you know, but it, it was a terrible way to go. Uh, not great. So clearly this is a severe man. Right, I'm hoping. I'm hope that I've driven that point home to our listening I, audience. Yeah, uh, convinced of his own rightness, his he's inflexible, incapable of great ruthlessness. Pride is his greatest weakness. He once sacked an official who looked at him in a way he did not care for. A threat to his honor would provoke anger, and this interfered with his judgment. So for Henry, the honor of England and the honor of the king were one and the same. He began to cast his eye across the English Channel to France, where he had a kind of claim to the, Engli- uh, to the French throne. And on paper, this was a dangerous, almost foolish decision. However, France in 1414 was not in the best shape. The king of France, Charles VI, was afflicted with some kind of mental illness. Medieval chroniclers are maddeningly vague about what this means. They just call it madness. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Some Isn't con- that what all... The, like, there I mean, that, was no that's, like, that's a, nuance when oh, it came yeah. to like, psychology back then. That's exactly it. And, and that's the problem, is we don't know what they mean by madness. Now, many, some contemporary historians... Syphilis-driven madness? They don't have syphilis yet. Syphilis oh, yeah. is a, no, is a new yeah. world syphilis import. Syphilis came from the new world. Yeah, yeah. syphilis oh. is a new world import. Oh, that's a nice little. They get smallpox. Uh, they got <laughs> yeah, fifteen yeah. fucking diseases, yeah. and then they Wait, sent wiped back out syphilis. Content, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. It was like, listen, we got them with the syphilis. Yeah, it's like we're gonna we're gonna get you ninety percent of your population is gonna die from your from smallpox uh, and diseases. cholera, and smallpox, co- so yeah, many, so many. 
but all of them. Christopher but Columbus. You know what? Flew. You're fuck boys. Mm-hmm. Done for. <laughs> you fuck boys are yeah, fuck yeah. man. Casanova's gonna start losing teeth and shit. Like it's gonna be things are gonna fall off. It's gonna be real great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but syphilis rules. So some... <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird you stick sentence. It to the Europeans. Like, oh, I yeah. fuck so much. Yeah, yeah. Much I'm insane now. <laughs> so <laughs> I got so much pussy. I'm mad. I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm mad on that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> up is down and down is up. Or, or you rolled or you rolled poorly once. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Actually, okay. So, so some con- true. some contemporaries. Why do you have to rain our parade? I know. That's my, my job. That Dr. is true. History says scholar you know, of the twenty fifth. He is very much. He's the checks and balances of this podcast. We <laughs> really need him. We're going yeah. off the deep end here. So, so some contemporary historians uh, theorize that he was a paranoid schizophrenic. That's that's. Uh, one of the the ideas uh, the result of this quote madness was that charles was not able to recognize people in various points including family members uh, he lashed out with violence against people uh, and for long stretches of time was ente- entirely incapable of decision making uh, at one point he thought he was made of glass and thus couldn't be touched by anybody for fear of shattering hmm. uh, so this means that the french throne is just, just noble <laughs> mm, so like, it just means yeah. the french throne just doesn't work um, no, and it's just like you're no, you're just hemophilic. He might have been each other. He might have been, but at this point, he's he's worried about breaking. Like, and and so the problem is, is that this incapacity encouraged I, infighting. I'm, I'm making a noble inbreeding joke. That's fair, <laughs> but, but I, and I do yeah. think I do think that that. Is is the root Goes cause? The root cause of, of this. <laughs> you, you said that like it's a normal part of your life. Because like, of fucking, no cousin fucking? It's just, apparently uh, Maryland, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey There's man, we choose to drive so cousin fucking. There's a lot. <laughs> and don't use turn signals. Ashkenazis. There's <laughs> a reason we have genetic diseases. Saying, yeah, but you also have all the fucking Nobel prizes too. Like you figured something out. They're like, no, no, no. Cousin you, fucking. We cousin fuck, but like in a really specific we, way. Strategically cousin fucked. <laughs> we do strategic cousin fucking. So it's I like, listen, you're going to be a This is a really, this is quite possibly the weirdest tangent you guys have taken. <laughs> listen, listen, you're like, going to be allergic to any... a lot of stuff, but I, you're going to discover sorry, DNA. To all our fans I, of West Virginia, I've we're... Never, I've never heard this much attempted reasonable attempted reasoning discourse on cousin fucking normally people just sort of move just, past it i'm just expressing my culture here michael okay <laughs> <laughs> so 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 the nobel prizes don't come from nowhere so this uh. incapacity this incapacity that charles the sixth has uh, encouraged infighting in France between two factions, the Armagnacs and the Burgundians, uh, who are the two cadet branches of the ruling Valois family. So the ruling family are the Valois. These are two the of Yakety their, like... Yaks? What was their name? Uh, Armagnacs and Burgundians. Armagnacs. So they're from one family? Yeah, they're like cousins, essentially. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> marry each other. No. <laughs> They should probably just start fucking. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, uh, you don't you, familiar. I feel you, like we've broached this topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so these two groups were they intimate? Yeah, these two groups. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> medieval, medieval. Uh, so one of the one of the weirdest parts of this is is uh, one one I came across this once uh, that like you know a misconception of the past is that everyone married at like thirteen. And and the thing is is and, and Adam Kuhn is shaking his head because the only people who did this were like the aristocracy yeah. and and royalty yeah. Yeah. for strategic reasons. Yeah, Everyone yeah. else was normal. Yeah. 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 Uh, all and the regular peasants are like she's, she's fourteen. Yeah, Fuck yes, off, wait. Jesus Christ! Yeah, like, just wait, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep it wait in your pants. She's sixteen. Yeah, not even gonna make it that far. But but the the point <laughs> the point <laughs> being that the. At this time in particular, um, and, and, and especially in 1414, 1415, one of the books I read uh, to, to do this is a really interesting, the, the book is called 1415, Henry V's Year of Glory. And it is written in a really interesting way, which is that each chapter is a month of 1415. And this historian has reconstructed what Henry was doing every single month of the year. Okay. Okay. Um, is this worthwhile? Yeah, it was as interesting. Yeah, like it, it or at least for me, it was. You know, my brother jokes that it's I like own your diary. My brother jokes <laughs> that did he, did he I do, burned another heretic. <laughs> did he do? Did he do no fab February? What is? <laughs> so 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 my brother jokes. Like, Joe Rogan said, "Do sober October." <laughs> so I'm gonna invade France instead of drinking this month. So I'm perfected So my brother jokes that there are books that I own that only two people have read, me and the author. Mm. Um, and this might be one of them. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, is that he also is, in the background of this, is that the, the Catholic Church is attempting to resolve uh, the fact that there are two popes at this particular point in yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah. because of, popes. What? And, the, and the, because you can't have that. But the point being that there can only you, be one. If you yes, Highlander rules. That's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, um, no, they're they're actually pretty specific about yeah. who God's representative on Earth is. The descendant no, in no the sure lineage that, of that Saint power. Peter. Yeah, but, like uh, you know what, God went on vacation, so he needed two. <laughs> Um, God's on maternity leave. <laughs> That's not, not how it works. But God never goes on maternity leave. <laughs> did, they, did, did they have to fight each other for yeah. it? No. So they they had they had this. No. It's in, in all seriousness, they have this. Duel. They have this council to try to to try to organize and figure it out. Jedi council. Yes, basically. <laughs> Nero, 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 Nero. Only vroom, one there can vroom, be. Only one there can be. We grant you the title of cardinal, huh? but not the title of pope. No, okay, uh, fair enough. But the, but the, this is unfair. Stupid bird a cardinal is. All right. I don't know. But, but the, point, the point being that in order to uh, marry close relatives, you would have to get papal dispensation. But in the 14th century, like, that's a listen, word. can I marry my little cousin? The priest is like, well, I've already given him a, a, a go. Uh, no. <laughs> you Michael would... did not like that. <laughs> Michael really did not like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. This episode is off the rails. Instead, uh, they... you would, instead, you would pay a large sum of money to the church to, to get a, uh, a uh, dispensation. Oh, to get a... oh, okay. So just... Little yeah. look behind the curtain to mm-hmm. the listening audience. That's a word we never hear these days. Dispensation. What? Yeah, it's a, a very, it's a very it's a very Catholic word. If you're, studying for, your, break if of you're a studying for your grad school exams or whatever. Like, anyway. but no, no, no. But look behind the curtain. 
Michael's job on this podcast is to like keep us in line. And I'm is, failing. No, well, so hard right hey, now. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> As a cowboy, you are moving this herd forward. All right. You're on the range. You're like, oh, yeah. And you're going. He's the fucking zookeeper here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And as the as the very horny sloth, uh, I have to say, no, no, no. The but, but like you present us with stuff. You're like the French king thought he was made of glass. <laughs> And then you get mad 45 <laughs> seconds later when we're still talking shit about it. Like, you can't, you can't be like, oh, Henry the Fifth never fucked. <laughs> now let's move on. Like, what, what do you want from us? What do you, you know what you signed up for, motherfucker. That's true. What are we on right now? We're on page four. I didn't ask, I didn't ask page, actually. But the, <laughs> the, no, no, no. The, so the English, the English played these two groups, the Burgundians and the Armagnacs, oh, off yeah, one another. Oh yeah, cousin right, fucking. Right, the cousin. <laughs> so they. <laughs> I should have just moved on to the next paragraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rookie mistake. I'm better than that. That's a, you're doing great. You so, are a great. So, fucking all star. <laughs> Thank you. So throughout 1414, uh, Henry conducted purposefully inconclusive and maximalist diplomacy in order to justify a war. Um, uh, so he like left every debate on the table mm-hmm. and then also insulted them as much as he possibly could. Yes. Fuck. So, yeah, so he right. demanded a marriage to Catherine of Valois, uh, the daughter of Charles VI. He also demanded the duchies of Aquitaine, Normandy, Men, Anjou, Touraine, Poitiers, and Poitou, as well as... Well done. As that was a, King hey, John's... Wait, wait, wait. That was a very good French You're working on your French. As well as King Jean's ransom to be paid in full. This was a ransom that dated back to the 1350s after the English victory at Cressy. Uh, In exchange, having carved up most of France, bankrupted the French treasury, and married into its royal family, and thus having inserted himself and his heirs into the line of succession, Henry would graciously give up his claim to the French throne. Uh, The French refused, so Henry declared war. The most accurate line of Shakespeare's Henry V is at the end of Act Two, Scene Two, when Henry says, quote, clearly to see the signs of war advance, no king of England, if not king of France. So that's the end of part one. So basically he said, uh, I can't be king of England if I'm not king of France as yes. well. Yeah. He had right. to have both. Can't, well, no, he has to have both. If he doesn't have both, he's two is one. One is none is was his was his motto here. Wow. Um, that's some that's some medieval math. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is how they understood goal thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's how they understood math numbers and science at the time. No, like also if I get they sick, only bleed me until I have then, no blood so. left. Yeah, right. Well, the humors they need to be in yeah, balance. Yeah, balance my humors. Uh, um, yeah, give me some leeches, baby. So the Suck weird thing is, leeches, leeches actually work though. Leeches <laughs> is like a weird thing where they're like, yeah, no, no, no. If you like have tons of swelling and you need to like get blood clots out of you really some leeches on that yeah they do it in hospitals to this day yeah they still it, leech people they got that you're, one right you're, you're fucking with me no yes. i'm not fucking with you they use leeches in hospital they got that one no right. they've got they've got drugs to do that that's called blood thinners no 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 it has to do with uh uh like infections and especially we can listeners google it okay uh, <laughs> if, if i'm wrong the higher power someone i love is to gonna have power. a stroke <laughs> so and it's gonna be me <laughs> <laughs> so the next line the story, there's only, the only one <laughs> <laughs> so part two plans part two. plots and sieges mm-hmm. 
So the question that now beset Henry was where to invade. The English fortress city of Calais on the Channel was close, but too hemmed in. The other English possession uh, of Gascony, which is on the coast of the Bay of Biscay, just north of Spain, was much too far away and too hard to supply, and too far away from home if things went badly. So in a move that would prove prescient of the Allied Combined Chiefs of Staff in 1942 and 1943, Henry chose Normandy. Specifically, he chose the city of Harfleur, which is now part of the city of La Havre. So La ha- uh, Harfleur is no longer a city. La Havre sort of sure. subsumed it. It was a good port. It was a short distance from England and was situated on the Seine. Do they just like row over there? How, yeah. How does, uh, they, they, had, they had ships with sails, but, they row, sailed, but, but, right. but you know, you, you would always, uh, in, the, in the 15th century, you always had uh, sweeps. Uh, you had oars to help you if, if the, the sails didn't the, work. The ominous oars. Uh, so, and the Seine flows all the way to Paris. So, and it was not a place that the French would anticipate a landing, right? So the French have to guard everything. They're not expecting necessarily that you would land at Harfleur. Why? But if there's a river all the way to Paris, so doesn't there, that seem like the obvious option? Well, the obvious option is Calais. Right. Well, because they already, because they already own Calais. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that the Germans in 1944 expect the, the Allies to land at Calais. Because um, it's the most obvious option. Uh, and yeah, but Normandy kind of, is the second most obvious option. Yeah, but in World War II, mm-hmm. whether or not the river goes to Paris mm-hmm. doesn't fucking matter. That's Whereas really in doesn't. like the medieval it era, does, you're but like, yeah, oh, I can, but can float. Is. I mean, the Vikings yeah. sacked Paris. From yes, that. by going yeah. through the Seine. Yeah, yeah. They became Normans. Uh, hmm. yeah. They invaded uh, Normandy. So hmm. Henry... So you'd think the dumbass fucking friend... You know what? He's worried about being glass. Michael looked at me like, have you been fucking listening? And I'm like, you know what? I have. All right. I will get at least a C plus on this exam. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's a passing grade. So Henry raised his army throughout the spring of 1415. And by that time, Henry... Uh, the English had been raising armies for service in France for nearly 70 years. And it developed a decent enough system. So feudalism, as it's traditionally understood, no longer applied in England. Uh, And conscription was not something that was used. Instead, England had what it called the retinue system. Wait, feudalism was over in England? Not not technically. Like, there are lords, but the way feudalism works, the way you read about it in 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 a textbook, no longer works in raising an army. The king doesn't call on his lords to call on their vassals to bring up to threaten peasants. No, no, that's not how that's not how it works in England. Everything is done in cash. No one fights in the English army because of the parliamentary system. They were able to actually. That's parliament was start, yeah, started parla- being able to actually raise cash like, for a standing army. That's yeah. part of it. The they other, couldn't like just threaten them to kill them to no, fight for them. That's part of it. Both of you have part of it right. The other part of it is that the English rely on longbowmen. And the longbowmen are all yeoman farmers, which means okay. that they wouldn't be subject oh, they're independent. to... Yeah, they're independent. They wouldn't be subject to raising feudal levies. Also, most feudal levies, by law, had to be sent home after a certain number of days, mm. which meant that you couldn't keep an army in the field, right? Whereas if you're paying them wages, you can keep them in the field as long as the pay keeps coming. Right, right. So, uh, a retinue was a group of soldiers led by a captain, Retinues are not of a standard size. Uh, it consisted of two types of soldiers. Basically, the English army only had two types of soldiers. It had men-at-arms, who are armored soldiers, who may or may not be knights. All knights are men-at-arms, but not all men-at-arms are knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's essentially if you had enough money to, to have armor. be a man and have arms, <laughs> Yeah, you were a man-at-arms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And longbowmen. So there's yeah, men-at-arms yeah. and there's longbowmen. And a ra- the ratio is traditional. Could I multi-class? No. <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> it would be it would be dishonorable. Uh, the ratio was traditionally that honor. Uh, the ratio was tradition uh, was traditionally one man at arms for every three longbowmen. So uh, the captain signed an indenture, which is a contract, uh, with the king directly. That's mm-hmm. the other part of this that goes away from feudalism is that you weren't every single captain, every single retinue signed on with the king. So the 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 whole like kind of client relationship yeah, going down got skipped. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the king's like over the lords mind. and shit. Yeah. Yeah. They're like no, the yeah. lords. The lords signed retinues. Uh, they they right. created retinues and they signed indentures with the king. Like if you were an earl, you were expected to bring like three hundred men at arms and nine hundred longbowmen. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you were just like Sir Adam of Lax, you right. might be like, it's me and uh, you know my nine best friends. They're my men at arms, and we got thirty longbowmen. Like it's like Dan Sickles, right? A little he, bit, he, yeah. He kind of yeah. brought his retinue yeah. of. By the way, 5, if any Irishman, New York. <laughs> if any of you have been to the county of Lax, it's dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible county. It's swamps. It's just nothing but swamps and. <laughs> Wild dogs. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the the indenture was then cut. There is a fuck wing. There is the only part on solid that every house must have a fuck. (laughs) No, even in the shittiest of counties, large county, there's a fuck wing in every garage. Uh, That's our promise. So, no, I I I thought the fuck wing was the solid ground. Huh? I thought the fuck wing was the solid ground, not the swamp. Well. He had to build it underground. Under it, the swamp, it's yeah. we as uh, it's a sub basement because it's a especially weird. Got it. So <laughs> so the contract, the indenture. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm so vanilla. You can't see that. <laughs> we are introducing new concepts uh, on this podcast. So. So this contract would then be cut in half in kind of a strange okay. pattern. Yeah. Uh, so, and one half would be kept by the captain, and then the other half would be kept by the government. And if disputes rose about pay, you could put the two halves together, and they would have to match up. This is how the government made sure that, uh, and, and the, the captain made sure that they got paid correctly. So you'd cut your indenture, your contract, in this, in this funky sort of zigzag pattern. That would be unique when you would put them back together. Oh, yeah. the actual paper. Yes, the that actual repre- paper yeah, would yeah. be. You would write out the contract, and then it'd be cut in half. No, they literally do like yeah, like yeah. art. Yeah, like no. they would do like art that you had. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. had to like match up. It would be really hard to fake. Like, like a yeah puzzle. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, or like imagine like like a. I, I remember seeing one of these once. It was like, like imagine somebody did sort of an artistic rendition of like a pattern of vines mm-hmm. yeah. coming together, and then they would just like randomly cut it. Yeah, right. And so like if it didn't match up perfectly, you knew it was not. Yeah, was and, then, and then and and so I so, could tell by your yawn that you thought that was really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> So Henry nearly bankrupts I'll cu- himself. I'll cut that out. Henry nearly <laughs> Henry nearly bankrupts himself, raising his army, which amounted to about three thousand men at arms and nine thousand longbowmen. He actually had to pa- pawn some of the crown jewels to uh, oh, to no. pay certain people. Just the shitty ones, not the yeah. crown jewels. Most, almost all of them, actually. Like really? legitimately, he he nearly bankrupts the state doing this. You know what he should have done pawned them to france and then conquered france and got them back that's the and it, he's pawning them to the captains like what he oh. was doing was giving portions of the crown jewels to captains in lieu of actual pay and then and then he's like once i have the coin 
I will give you the actual money and you'll give me back my crown jewels. I'm going to go ahead and need those crown yeah. jewels back. <laughs> right, so one last drama befell Henry before he set sail for France. Edmund Mortimer, who is the Earl of March, had a claim to the English throne. He's distantly related to all of these people. Uh, and some believed that this claim was greater than Henry's. Um, and so three lords were revealed to Henry by Mortimer. Mortimer comes to King Henry and says uh, that all three of these men have plotted to kill Henry and elevate him, Mortimer, to the throne. Henry was enraged. Uh, he had pardoned or promoted all three of these lords at, mm. at various points in the last two years. He had either given them more responsibility or pardoned them. Uh, and so all three were beheaded at Southampton before the, the army embarked. Now, the fate of one of these lords, uh, his name is Lord Scrope is especially sad. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, since he'd been friends with Henry. That sounds like nothing that we've heard of before. Yeah. yeah. No uh, his friends called him Scrope on a rope. Scrope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrope him. Scrope him. Yeah. He'd been friends Scrope with Henry. Are there testicles in your Scrope him? This is... Totally on the nose. There's she totally right there. on my scrope. <laughs> uh, he'd been friends with Henry, uh, and several historians actually think that his execution is sort of unjustified. That uh, there was a pattern in 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 this period of medieval history where noblemen would join plots in order to expose them. And that the there's a theory that Lord Scrope joined the plotters, never having intended to do anything, and intended fully intended to go to Henry, and that the Earl of March, Mortimer, beat him to the punch. And since another person revealed the plot before him, he gets beheaded. Oh, um, it's unclear, right? We don't have super great records. Yeah. It was a pretty summary judgment. Sometimes uh, you got to give people enough Scrope to hang themselves. Yep. <laughs> No. So Henry's no. forces. I'll see myself out. Yep. <laughs> Henry's Henry's forces landed unopposed in early August and began to encircle Harfleur. Uh, the English had little experience with siege warfare since the last successful siege in France had been conducted in 1370, like 45 years before. Uh, it took over a month, and Henry's army suffered more from dysentery than it did from the French. Mm. But eventually, Harfleur did negotiate its surrender. It is now September 1415. Uh, the army is racked with dysentery, and Henry had accomplished nothing aside from the capturing of a relatively small seaport. Was he, was he there with them? Yeah, he was there with them. Yeah. He's a battle king. He, he's a he's, battle king. Yeah, he has a, a, a helmet specifically made that has his crown in it. Mm. Um, no, he's with does his have Does it have a really, a really hard spot for where that scar is no, on his face? No, it's actually, uh, most of them are portrayed as being open-faced, so mm. that like, his men could see him. Uh, um, but also arrow archers could see him too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. the French don't have those. He's safe there. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So, so what was he to do now? Now that he's captured Harfleur, the French had been busy raising an army in the interior of the country, which meant that if he left Harfleur, he would have to fight an army that was larger than his own and not currently shitting itself to death. Henry did challenge the Dauphin. The heir to the French throne is named the Dauphin. Dauphin, yeah. Uh, to Dauphin. single combat. He challenges the French Dauphin to single combat. Uh, and this is from a historian that I read, and I thought it was funny. So like, I'm going to kick your glass. Yeah. This historian goes, quote, He sent a herald off to the Dauphin, offering to fight him in single combat. The winner was to have the crown of France. 
It was a schoolboyish offer, one which the Dauphin rightly refused. And given that Henry was fitter, stronger, harder, and more experienced, the Dauf- he, the Dauphin, would almost certainly would have been daft to do otherwise. Right? Like, Henry has spent the last 15 He's years swole. of his life. Yeah. Henry <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, they found, they found, you know, one of the things that they found. He's got a real Andrew Tate fucking yeah. vibe to him. Does that make sense? Like, a real fucking, like, I understand what's right and what's wrong, and I'm an alpha, and if you don't fucking listen to me, you're a you, Yeah, you're a cuck, and I'm gonna come, and I'm gonna take your country. <laughs> All right? Hustler University. Let's, do this. <laughs> Let's do this in my weird fucking half American, half British accent. It is a weird accent. Yeah. That was a so part three. So my it's a really good Andrew Tate. Yeah. I I actually don't know what that guy sounds like. He sounds a bit like what Adam just sounded like. Really? That's good. Yeah. Okay. So well, so what you have to understand is what he does. So part three, Saint Crispin's Day. Mm. So Henry now has three options. He could return directly from Harfleur to England. Uh, he could attempt to march south to Bordeaux in Gascony, or he could march northeast to Calais. In all three cases, he was going to have to. Uh, he was his objective was to get his army back to England and try another campaign in 1416. That's is he ob- already broke? Yeah, he's going to figure it out. <laughs> Henry V is broke. Yeah, Henry V yeah, yeah. is broke. Now he's sort of he's Andrew Tate, but he's like a gambler in Vegas mm-hmm. who's yeah. just like, all right, I can go to the ATM one more fucking mm-hmm. time. Yep. one more time. If I go to the ATM. Before the banks open, <laughs> I'll be able to get my minimum balance or my maximum balance one more time yep. before. All right, cool. So, so, so returning I can conquer France. So, returning directly to England was out of the question. It would make the campaign, both in England and in France, look like a failure, right? If all he's done is taken Harfleur and then just gone back, that's not good. Gascony is still too far away. Southwestern France is still way too far away, and he would almost certainly be disrounded and destroyed before he made it. This left Calais which would mean marching very close to the French army, which is massing at Rouen. And Rouen is in Normandy, um, in north-central France. And all of these choices are bad. And so with no good options, Henry marches for Calais. Okay. Now, the decision to march to Calais is hard to understand in purely rational terms. However, alongside his politics, alongside the politics I just described, Henry's piety comes into play here. According to one of his chaplains, Henry was, quote, relying entirely on divine help and the justice of his cause, end quote. So Henry's army, he the, ba- he's the, basically relying on God's favor to, to deliver his army to Calais. Like, as if God was like, bro, you own that shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like God's like, bro, man, like, you know how, like, your aunt drunkenly told you one time that she was going to leave this to you in the will, mm-hmm. and then she didn't? Yep. Go get that shit. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, the yeah, number yeah. of the number of medieval lords who who operate in, in that way is wild. There's a there's a podcast I listen to sometimes. It's called mm-hmm. Gangster Politics. Mm-hmm. If I if I'm it's it's I don't listen to it a lot, but it's essentially this guy who grew up in like a rough part of L.A. like mm-hmm. in a in a pretty rough part of L.A. But he's doing a a politics podcast, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how often he can be like. So you know how like gangs operate in mm-hmm. this way? Mm-hmm. Republicans, Republicans, a lot, a lot of parallels. It's uh, like group think and yeah. like the way, yeah, yeah, the well, way it's like all really comes down to power and money yeah. in the end. But everybody dresses it up as like honor yeah. and whatever. Well, right, and that right. was uh, principles. There's principles a, are principles. Today. there's a there's a quote from a documentary I watched uh, about the Middle Ages that sticks in my brain, which is that. 
Um, most knights have more in common with Tony Soprano than they do with Sir Lancelot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, just like it's it's gangsterism. Yeah, and, you're just and, a strong man gangster. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, a yeah. bunch of people owe you a bunch of shit. Exactly. And they like don't want to piss Pay you off. off. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's the same sort of relationship a gangster has with the community around them, where it's like, yeah. Once or twice a year, they come around. They give everybody turkeys, and yeah, they yeah, like yeah. a nice guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but everybody yeah. knows that they They'll run fuck shit, and yeah, if you yeah. fuck with them, they yeah. will, you know, They'll throw burn you, you at the, the stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, so Henry's army marches across northern France, attempting to avoid battle as much as possible. They were few in number and suffering heavily from dysentery. One source suggests that the epidemic was so bad that English soldiers had tied their pants around their waist, oh, rather Jesus. than having to constantly remove them to relieve themselves. Jesus. Now, this is probably false, given that most of the army was actually mounted. Like, even the longbowmen <laughs> rode horses. They, they tied their pants around their horse's waist. <laughs> uh, and it's really, it's really hard to ride a horse without pants. Really? Uh, yeah. It's really uncomfortable to ride a horse without pants. What if you have a satin saddle? <laughs> the longbowmen don't have satin saddles. Lo- longbowmen don't have silk what saddles if, yeah, for yeah, their... Yeah, pillowy the, saddle. The army, had, <laughs> the, the army had eaten up most of their food, and they only had water to drink, which in the Middle Ages, interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, it's still less comfortable than most of the Veo scooters you jump on uh, in modern day. Never mind. All right, nobody cares about Veo scooters. Anyway, so, so the army had eaten up most of its food... Uh, and they only had water to drink, which is actually a real problem in the Middle Ages. They oh, didn't only beer. They didn't yeah, you need water. beer or gin. Yeah, you needed beer. Yeah. So the French decided that they should do something about this English invasion. The way all the water was tainted? Yeah, basically. They, they shit wow. where they drank. Wow. Adam really knew that all the water was tainted in the Middle Ages <laughs> immediately. It's almost like you had a history of tainting. Did you poison wells, you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's payback, bitch. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. We deserve it. <laughs> so, however, the command structure of the French army was going to be a problem. So, Charles VI is currently made of glass. And they... <laughs> <laughs> wow. I keep forgetting about that. Right. And the Dauphin would... Mr. Ad- glass, it's like... Uh, would advance no further than Rouen. Does, if you're made of gas, do you... Glass? <laughs> <laughs> if you're made of glass, do you... Do you come sparkles like i don't think he was doing a lot of that <laughs> I, I think i think glitter? he was i think he, no 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 i think he was a little worried about the motions that would be required any, for any that. type oh. of vi- yeah. po- potentially violent yeah. motions yeah um, no sudden movements no, no for, for charles the sixth no motions in that ocean yep not no <laughs> So <laughs> not a generous lover when you're no. made of glass. Yeah, it's hard. He's to, like, just get on top of me. He's like, call it, me it the glass slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it would sudden move, and I'm fucking toast. Yeah. <laughs> he like winks at his wife. He's like, made of glass, just like that thing you ordered from online. Uh, the thing you. That thing you ordered from Venice. Um, the Venetians know what's up with the glass dildos. Don't yeah. trust a Venetian. It's funny. In Venice at the time, their name for a douchebag was glass dildo. That was like, he's this guy being a glass dildo. It's like a they regular Charles V or whatever. So at the time, everyone in Venice sounded like this. Hey, that guy's a fucking dildo. All right. So, right. so, so the Dauphin... Forget about it. Forget about it. 
The Dauphin won't go any further than Rouen. The Dauphin. Yeah. So thus commanded the army. The Dauphin <laughs> is a real. He's a real. He's a real class. a fucking jabroni. That Dauphin. <laughs> the Dauphin's a jabroni. Which one of those words do you think is more noble? What? D- Dauphin or jabroni? <laughs> <laughs> They, they sound equally made up to That's me. That's true. Yeah, they're, they're both bullshit. So, thus, command of the army fell to the constable of France and the marshal of France. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thus, command of the army We're fell... We're going to own that mistake. <laughs> None of my mistakes this episode, just that one. We're going to own <laughs> So, command of the army fell to the constable... We're even now. <laughs> Bitch, don't get me started. <laughs> You're such a good teacher. Please continue. I'm so I know. Sorry. But we're, we're the unruly kids here. So, it does give me sort of flashbacks occasionally. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> command of the army fell to the constable of France and the marshal of France, both of whom are actually good old soldiers. Like, these are actually reasonably veteran, seasoned men, know what they're doing. The problem is, is that there's also two royal dukes, the dukes of Bourbon and Orléans, as well as the dukes of Alençon, Brittany, and several others, which means that all of these men think that they should command the army, mm. and there's no actual, like, list of who should be in charge. So instead, they've got, like, six guys who all think that they should be the ones in charge mm. of the army. Huh. Uh, so at what point in time did they all just whip it out and measure? <laughs> I think the problem is they never did. So they go into this. That's the ba- problem with French politics today. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you I know mean, they just need to just like you know who can surrender fastest. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was really well played. Which, yeah. one, which one of us is the most premature surrenderer? <laughs> all right. And one of them's like, uh, I am. And then his, yeah. his, his squire's like, no, sir, that's the other thing that you're premature. No. <laughs> Poor squire. Poor squire. Like, so this I, isn't what I thought this job would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on October 20th, the French... How many of the French knights got me too? <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of them would have. Been. Should have. Really, yeah, really yeah, much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So on October 20th, the French issued a challenge to Henry to pick a time and place for a battle. This is pretty normal in the Middle Ages. Oh, shit. Getting called out. And Henry refused, saying that he was going to Calais and that the French could find him at their convenience. He's like, no, you just, I, you know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You know, get good. Um, was basically his... <laughs> Bring a Typical French <laughs> trying to get me to do all the work for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going where they, yeah. yeah. So that, I don't know why I'm being so hard on the French. You know I what? Mean, Keep fighting in Paris. Fuck Macron. <laughs> fuck you know what I mean? Like just yeah. go yeah. for it. Guys. Well, they, I mean, there's there's different kinds of burn, French. Baby, there's different burn. kind of French, right? And yeah. and and uh, you know, Macron is definitely on the side of the Dauphin. Douchebaggery. Yeah. He is a. Defonti French. Mm-hmm. Defonti. So, so this is what the French. This is what the French. So this is what the French planned to do. Uh, by October twenty fifth, they'd caught up to the English, uh, got in front of them, and barred Henry's way to Calais. Mm. And they did this near the castle of Azincourt with a Z. Uh, but the English didn't know how to pronounce it, so that's where we get the word Agincourt. 
the French army is hard to pin down in, in terms of numbers, in its exact terms. So medieval chroniclers talk fancifully of large numbers, some as large as 250,000. And Shakespeare puts them at, quote, a full threescore thousand. One of his characters says that, um, which would be 60,000 men. The reality is that the number is somewhere between 12,000 and 24,000. Okay. And the reason that that number is hard to pin down is, uh, Kunin, is what you were talking about earlier, which is that... Uh, given the, uh, that each man of arms has at least one page and one squire or servant, uh, and, and at, at a distance without teleoptics, it's really hard to actually judge who was a threat, right? Mm. So the low estimate number is 12,000. The higher estimate number is like 24,000. And, and the reason for these large numbers is that the English are trying to count, and they can't count past 75. <laughs> <laughs> now you start. And, now you start. Yeah. Now you start. And, and there's only like a thousand Englishmen who can count. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's true. Uh, you in know, all, it, today, it, in all of England. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Brexit happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so the point being that that you get these, the actual numbers are somewhere between twelve and 24,000. Yeah, and like, I mean, for each like page and squire, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, does that... You know, I could just see like a situation where a page is like, no, don't hurt me. But then they have a bunch of throwing knives or something. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're being, yeah. you know, and, and so, real page so, about it. So all of these troops are fresh. They're well fed and they're clothed. Right. So they're, they're good to go. The English are not. Now, the majority of these troops are men at arms, uh, both mounted and dismounted. Uh, and they've got a decent number of crossbowmen to counter the English longbows. The French plan is simple. They're going to divide their army into three what are called battles uh, in, in medieval terminology. These are divisions. Uh, and they're going to be deployed one after the other. Right? They're going to be deployed sort of in sequence in lines. And the first two are going to be dismounted men-at-arms. And the last one will be mounted. Um, the cavalry would hold the flanks. They put cavalry, horsemen, on each flank. Uh, and and the idea was is that the cavalry would uh, scatter the English archers... Uh, the first two battles would advance, sweep the field, and then the third battle, that third mounted division, could either be used to reinforce a faltering assault or to pursue the fleeing English, mm -hmm, right? They'd mm -hmm. be sort of mobile reserve. Um, the French did not know what to do with their crossbowmen, uh, so they sat out much of the battle. They just mm -hmm. didn't really know. How, they, they, they brought them along. They're like, we know the English love their longbows, so we're going to bring crossbowmen. And then they got there, and they're like, we fucking don't know what to do with these guys. Mm -hmm. So you just sit over there, and uh, don't bother us. <laughs> Finally, and this is important, it had been raining for days before, and the fields around Agincourt had been sown with winter wheat. So all of the fields had been tilled, tilled, and it had been raining. Uh, so the ground is very broken and very, very soggy. Okay? So the English army, by contrast, is an entirely different affair. And I'm going to quote again from another book I read. Quote, Henry's men had left a trail of vomit and diarrhea all across northern France. Well, that's a Which is actually an improvement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were starving, sick, and wet. Their clothes were in rags, and they were hugely outnumbered by an enemy operating in his own land. But they were vicious, hard, professional soldiers. They had trounced the Scots, the Welsh, northern rebels, and f the French time and time again. And they had a leader in whom they had absolute confidence and who had absolute confidence in himself. So, like, they End liked quote. Henry V. Oh, they loved him. Because, again, so, again, when, when you think he, about... Because he's so hardcore. He was hardcore, and he was... He, he led... He led from the front, and, and that severity... That's very that, weird. 
for and, the time. Well, and and the English are used to this because okay. like Edward the Third, Warrior Kings. Yeah, they had Warrior Kings. Edward the Third had done it. Edward the Third's son is Edward the Black Prince. If you've ever heard the, oh, yeah. of the Black Prince, the Black Prince is Edward the Third's uh, eldest son. And in the first battle that Edward the Third, re- or Ed- Black Prince really fights in is uh, Poitiers, and at one point. Uh, Edward III's unit is overrun by French knights. And Edward III's like, advisors come to him and go, Sir, your son is being overrun. Shall we send in the reserves? And, and Edward the Black Prince is like 17, right? And he's surrounded by French knights. And Edward III's basically like, No, he's got to figure this out. Mm. Right, like if he figures it out, he's my yeah. son, and if he doesn't, he dies. Oh, um, and and like that's, that's how my parents sent me to college. If you don't just die, uh, uh, yeah, sink or swim. That's yeah. a good but, parenting strategy. But yeah. the, but the point being that like the English are used to being led by this oh, kind sure. of caliber of of very sort of like you said, very hardcore lead from the front kind of people. Real James Dean of yeah, generals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> James Dean. <laughs> male porn star. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, Henry, so Henry drew his uh, motley crew, his motley group. Motley crew. Yeah, motley crew. They were very, lots of be- big girls, beards. Girls, girls, girls. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's not, not, no, you're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of. Uh, that's Motley uh, Crue. Yeah, Motley, Motley Crue. Crue does Top. not have big, long beard. ZZ Top is oh, who yeah, you're no, thinking of. Oh, Motley oh, Crue said. was the extremely the, the problematic band yeah, yeah, from yeah, yeah. the 80s yeah, who yeah. probably are all rapists. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they had a movie so, so, about so them this, called The Dirt, and the, it was... It's not good? Not good like, isn't it hilarious how big of pieces of shit we used to be? Yeah, really. It's a pretty good movie, actually. It's fun. So so Henry Henry has his motley group of between 6,000 and 8,500 men. Uh, between nine hundred, between nine hundred and two thousand of them are men at arms, and then the rest are longbow men. Uh, he divides them into three battles as well, and so the center is going to be held by his three units of longbow, or his three units of men at arms. His armored troops are all going to be in the middle, uh, and his longbowmen are going to be thrown out on the flanks. And all of his longbowmen have driven stakes into the ground in front of them to prevent horses from riding sure. over them, like these ten foot tall stakes uh, that would impale a horse. Okay. Uh, to ward off cavalry attacks. Question. Yes. Where do they get all these details? These are very specific details about the battlefield. Um, and so, is this like so, the scribes who so, just wrote it down? They're yeah, like, no, they did uh, this. There's, did there, this. No, there's, there's absolutely, that's absolutely it. Um, and this is one of the reasons why... You know, I mean, I'm not, this is forever ago. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, have this much detail. I, I'm not going into a huge amount of it, but there are some like conflicting reports of how Henry deployed his army. I'm going with the one that a lot of historians think of, but there are other ways that Henry might have deployed his army. Yeah, that's one of the problems with the time period. So, a, a archaeologist actually mm-hmm. told me one time that oh, what I forget the exact day she said, but it was like all writing, like every primary source you read before it was like yeah. 1850. Yeah, is is kind it's of a guess. Essentially, just propaganda. It's yeah. essentially yeah, or, like or some, even, no, no, no. But it's yeah. some king mm-hmm. paid you to write down what they did, right, which yeah, meant right. that you're writing accurately to a degree, but mm-hmm. you're also making them look. It's not good. independent. There, 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 there's that. There's also the fact that it's you're also you're also relying on after the fact remembrance, which sure, is not sure. always the most accurate yeah. thing, right? I mean... Yeah. Just ask uh, every U.S. trial ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. It might be. Mm, yeah. Okay, well, it could be. So, uh, the battle 
the Battle of Agincourt begins with a sort of odd staring contest across the no man's land <laughs> of this freshly tilled field. Now, the reason... It's like... The, the, the staring contest between the British and the French is just like, right, right. Uh-huh. Right, right. Uh-huh. Just back and forth for hours. Just hey, like, bruv. Sacre bleu. Le sacre bleu. Hey, bruv. Yeah. <laughs> <In> it, <laughs> so the French felt no need to actually attack because the English, on the other hand, had to attack uh, or they had to starve. Right? Like, they, the English are trapped. So the French go, we don't really need to attack. The English do. So Henry, growing impatient, ordered one of his lieutenants to, uh, as a signal, throw his baton in the air. And this was a signal to the army to advance 100 <laughs> yards. So he has a baton. He throws it in the air at the entire army. Did he um, catch the baton when it fell? No, was it wasn't like, the point. That wasn't the point. But also, does that, how <laughs> many did he like whirling it in his hands? Like, uh, throwing also, it up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the Thanksgiving Day parade has started here. Well, I mean, how many batons did he have? I, I don't actually know. That's a, Because you can only go 100 feet if you only got the one baton, right? So, I mean, like, baton, very concerned baton, about baton. So I, I think we need to think about this in, in two ways. Okay. Uh, the first is is that this is probably where like um, if you study European military history in in the more modern period that is from like the 1700s up to the present, uh, field marshals have a baton, uh-huh. right? Like that's a that's a thing, a field marshal's baton, um, which is probably where this comes from. That's the first thing. So it's like a symbol of his rank. Mm. And second. Um, battlefield maneuvers in the Middle Ages are not complicated because no, they, can't, they can't be. be. Yeah. So he probably only has the one baton, and everyone probably understands that it can only be done once. He's the dude. Yep, and it, and he's we're going to advance a hundred yards, and that's going to be it. And after that, it's kind of uh, every man for himself. A little bit. Um, so they advance a hundred yards, um, and this draws out the French cavalry into a charge. The French cavalry charge off of the flanks. Let charge. Let charge. Now, these horsemen received a hail of arrows from the archers on the English flanks. Now, and the French plan starts to fall apart. Now, by 1415, French armor was actually thick enough that only at, like, a range of 30 to 50 yards could a longbow arrow pierce their armor. No shit, really? I thought it was just kind of, like, paper. No, it wasn't. That's the thing. We think it is, but, but actual... Like archaeologists yeah, yeah. have have shown, essentially, uh, they've done recreations of, of French armor oh, from fourteen fifteen. What isn't it, it isn't that it's thick; it's that it's they've started to actually use steel, and they've developed steel to the point where it would hurt if you got hit with an English longbow yeah, arrow right, at right. a three hundred yards. It would hurt, and it would it would push you physically. It would push you in a direction. But it wasn't going to pierce the armor unless it like hit the seams. Now, oh. under 30 yards, under 50 yards, those arrows are going to punch right through your armor. But you have to get really close. Now, the problem is horses aren't armored that way. Mm. So as these cavalrymen ride forward, they're, hor- they're fine. They their horses, the horses are fucked. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, the, just like the cousins. Just like the cousins. <laughs> now, so the horses, <laughs> the horses tear up all of this muddy ground... And they're shot down by English arrows. Now, the, the French, uh, the, those among the French cavalry who aren't killed retreat. But they don't retreat straight back to the flanks. They retreat back into the center, into the first line of men-at-arms. They run into their own guys. Oh, shit. Breaking up the group. Okay, so the dismounted French men-at-arms now charge forward. Uh, but they're slowed by the mud. So it's just a big mud pit. It is. It's, it's a like... big mud pit. 
And this is the problem. Agincourt has a lot in common with uh, Woodstock 99, <laughs> I think. <laughs> was there water? Was there yeah, enough water? Yeah. Uh, did, I don't... How many French noblemen... Was, 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 how many French was, noblemen died at Woodstock 99? <laughs> Would Fred Durst uh, Honestly, in both Agincourt and Woodstock, not enough. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> Biscuit Come jumped out like, bring some shit tonight. This is Agincourt. All right. So, so the, the French... <laughs> Papa Roach performed at Agincourt, right? Probably. <laughs> so the dismounted French men-at-arms... Suffocation, so much mud, can't get out because of the fucking cavalry. All right. And then the Beastie Sorry. Boys came on. What's that? And then the Beastie Boys came on. Oh, okay. uh, but the, the, they're good though. Yeah. So the the dismounted French men at arms charged on. They're slowed by the mud, the remains of men and horses, and sheets of five thousand arrows every ten seconds fired on a more or less flat trajectory. So even the arrows that don't pierce their armor, what they're doing is they're compressing. And I, I know this is a bad format for it again, but I mean, imagine imagine a a, a like a imagine a a group of men who are about. 500 men wide, right? Like there's 500 files and their ranks are five or six deep. Those guys on the edges are being pushed in mm. when the arrows hit them. So if the arrows are mm. coming from the right, they're pushing them left. And if the arrows are coming from the left, they're pushing them right. So they're it's being, compacting, they're the, whole compacting yeah, yeah, yeah. the entire unit in. So the French men-at-arms compounded this problem by aiming their charge for the English center where Henry had placed his royal standard very prominently. Um, and this was because there's no money to be made in slaughtering English longbowmen. But there is a great deal of money to be made in the ransoms of captured English nobles. Mm. Uh, many a French noble would die with the dream of a king's ransom as the last thought in their head. The effect of this is to funnel the French army into this very narrow killing zone where their numbers counted for nothing. The English archers, having exhausted their arrows, they fire all their arrows right uh, sure. longbowmen long like the number of arrows i remember reading this in one of the in, in a book like the number of arrows henry had to bring with him is like in the millions yeah yeah because a longbowman yeah. could by the time they like the the you know the the idea is that you you fired an arrow and before it hit the ground you could fire five more yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before it landed. Well, it only if you graduated Longbowman College, that which was... which you entered at the age of eleven. Yeah, yeah. These yeah. guys, like literally, England. Uh, well, you, you got married. Football, and then you entered. No, they, 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 no, they, they, outlawed, but they outlawed soccer in England because of this. Really? Yeah, they outlawed soccer so that you would do longbow training instead. They had soccer. Back? Yeah, in the 1300s. Edward huh. III had to outlaw soccer because people were playing soccer on Sundays instead of training as longbowmen. And so he came, he outlawed soccer so that you had to go train with longbows. Wow. Yeah. One of those things is sort of like just this old washed up form of like sportsmanship and, and the, the other, other one is archery. You knew I was going one or the other way with that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like, World Cup. it's like if they outlawed football in America and yeah. made everybody and then shoot ma- guns. Exactly. Absolutely. That is exactly it. Because most of the English longbowmen. Which is we're halfway there. We're a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We, yeah. so, so the English archers uh, having exhausted their arrows became light infantry. And they struck the French from the flanks and nearly encircled uh, the French men-at-arms. And so the, fre- the second French division comes on, and they're also funneled into this meat grinder. Um, 
And it's a killing zone where each additional casualty made everything worse because the body just falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and so now you're fighting over them. Um, and Henry's in the tripping middle tripping on them falling yeah, down exactly and, uh, getting covered by other With people who tripped on you floor. exactly sounds and, like a metal song yeah if if you've if you've ever seen Game of Thrones yeah. I think one of the most accurate battle scenes in the whole the, the battle show the brother battle, battle which is based which is which is a that that the the, the scene in that where there's yeah. the body stacked really high yeah, uh, is, other than the getting saved by cavalry it's but, but the thing is is that that number that height uh, there, there are reports of Agincourt that say that most modern historians are like that, that's not possible. Like the number of people who would have to die yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to create mounds that are that tall is is ridiculous. But it is it did impede the French. It doesn't mm. need to be ten feet high yeah. to impede you. Yeah, it, right? it can Especially, be two feet high exactly you're in if, full you're wearing, armor, if you're yeah. wearing seventy pounds. And even in, and even with that, like one of the the French marshal, either the marshal or the constable, one of the two French commanders. Uh, would routinely uh, jump onto his horse from the prone position in full armor to show that he could do it. Like, he could go from being on his back to being on his horse quickly. Okay. He could jump up in full armor. And he was in his, like, 50s. (laughs) He did it all the time for women Mm -hmm. at the bar. And Mm -hmm. they'd be like, great, he's doing it again. Oh, you're on your horse. His parlor trick. (laughs) You like that, baby? You like that? And they're like, I guess. Jesus. All all of this is to say is that, like, armored soldiers could move around and fight. But, I mean, imagine if there's a two-foot-tall obstruction in front of you. It's hard to walk over. Yeah, I'm wearing no armor, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, it sounds terrible. (laughs) So Henry's in the middle of all of this, right? He's in the middle of all of this fighting, um, and and, and even received a blow to his head, which dented the the crown in his helmet that I was telling you about earlier. So, like, his helmet is dented. Um, And at one point, he stood over and guarded the body of his brother. The, uh, The Duke of Gloucester is stunned at one point. Like, he takes a blow that knocks him down and henry stands over his body and keeps them for you know the for frogs two, for 2d6 rounds yeah for, yeah for 2d6 <laughs> rounds or two, probably 2d4 oh uh, yeah yeah i think it's 2d4 king. you're right it um, is a stun so. yeah uh and the battle lasted three hours during which the third french division that mounted division i told you about uh was never committed they never oh. did anything uh it was the greatest english victory since the days of cressy and Poitiers 50 years before uh, there's one final act to this drama though the war crime so during the Middle Ages, knights and men-at-arms tried really hard not to kill one another. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, you were worth money. Exactly. Yeah. The reason being that oh. taking someone prisoner, you could ransom them back to their family for large sums of money. Um, now, this is how most European nobles made their living in the 14th and 15th century. <laughs> really? You went to That's war so for the stupid. purpose of ransoming <laughs> really? back yeah. other soldiers. Yeah. Huh. They literally own, like, 500 acres yep. and they're like how can i make money better go kidnap people for money <laughs> like instead like, of farming yeah yeah you couldn't like raise like grapes, a, like a perverted like human trafficking yeah, system yeah. what you never played minecraft you yeah. can fucking work this land you can get something out of you know yeah. a, a no, just make a mob grinder you yeah that, that, that wasn't that wasn't the way they did it and 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 so this is again the reason why uh, this is why jousting was such a big thing uh, you know, if you knocked a man off his horse, you got his horse and he had to and his armor and he had to buy it back from you. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um and and for instance, uh King Jean King John of France was captured at the Battle of Cressy in the thirteen forties, thirteen fifties. His ransom, a king's ransom, 
is a huge sum of money. There's a reason there's a turn of phrase for yeah. it. Yeah. You paid a king's ransom. And, the, and actually, the term doesn't come from King Jean. Uh, it comes from King Richard I being captured, uh, returning home from the Third Crusade by a member of the Holy Roman Empire. He, uh, his uh, mother and brother bankrupted England, paying the king's ransom, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, paying the huge sum of money it's like a lannister always pays it exactly and so now the king's ransom has more to do with making sure that your younger brother doesn't get exposed for his crimes on a weird island in the caribbean (laughs) 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 that's not what king's ransom is Oh, sorry, sorry. No, it's topical. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is how we try to keep it. Yeah. So, Agincourt was no exception, and during the melee, the English accepted the surrender of between a thousand and two thousand French men at arms. Uh, these prisoners were taken to the rear and held near the English baggage train. Towards the end of the battle, the Lord of Agincourt, who was not actually a part of the French army, just a French nobleman and his retainers, uh, raided the baggage train. They, they attempted to take advantage of the confusion. They attacked the baggage train. Baggage train. Now, Henry mistook this as a threat from the formal French army. And when this was coupled with the fact that the French still had their reserve force, the mounted third division, he can see it. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, no. Let's, let's pause. Yeah. Let's pause. So, mm-hmm. the French and the British, like, mm-hmm. like, like armies that represent the actual yes. nations or yes. whatever. are on the field. Have a battle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the fucking Count of Agincourt mm-hmm. is just chilling. Yep. Like, he's just, he's just like, oh, there's a big-ass battle with a bunch of nobles really? nearby. Hey, guys, hang on. No, no, no. We're going to steal Chill. their shit. <laughs> We're going to hang out in those fucking trees over there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then as soon as, as soon as the English grab a bunch of valuable stuff... We're gonna roll in. We're gonna take it, and we're gonna like. So they were they were doing fucking Ocean's Eleven on Agincourt, basically. basically like, yeah, they were they were they they planned a they planned a heist. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> God damn it, I'm in. Yeah. So so now Henry, Son of a bitch, I'm in. So Henry mistakes this threat as a threat from the formal French army, and when coupled with the fact that the French reserve force that that mounted force is still ready, and that the English men at arms are exhausted. And that the archers are without arrows, Henry believed that his army was in the gravest of danger. This brought Henry to the conclusion that he must break all of the established rules of war. He ordered the massacre of his prisoners. Now, the initial order was given to the English men-at-arms, who refused to carry it out. Uh, they they wanted that money. Well, yeah. They did it for a variety of reasons. One is simple Christian ethics. Uh, mm. This is murder. What's that? <laughs> yeah. I've this never is, heard of that. This is murder, after all. Uh, <laughs> murder, Adam, murder. Adam, Adam, as a Jewish person, is like, Christian ethics? That's a lot like military intelligence. Oh, you're going to serve me some jumbo shrimp? <laughs> <laughs> so, second is the, the code of chivalry. Uh, meant that while it was the height of honor to stab a man to death in the mud of battle yeah. uh, and in the in the mud of, in, during battle it was the depth of shame to bash his head in after he had surrendered right mm, mm. Um, and finally the financial implications as you were mentioning Kunin uh, if these great men carried out the order they would see fortunes of ransom money drain onto the soil of France um, thus it was that Henry turned to the archers to carry out his orders they broke no such Wait, hesitation he, he didn't want the money oh he doesn't care He's fine. Well, he's making he's, like he's making he's making a tactical decision, right? Yeah, yeah. He's making a tactical. Also, none of this is his money. 
He didn't yeah. capture these guys. And none of them get shit if they lose. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 So he's basically saying, all right, do we get do we risk losing the whole battle for mm. like a marginal increase in the yeah. average mm. man at arms ransom? Because I thought he was broke. He is broke, but but he also like he'll find he's, money. He'll find yeah, the money. Yeah, he's English king. He'll, yeah. he'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll find yeah. the he'll find the money. English, it's like, it's English like the king Federal broke. Reserve. He'll yeah. <laughs> it's like, he'll find a fucking yeah. way. English king <laughs> is a lot like Federal Reserve broke, where it's like, well, just print some. Yeah, print yeah, yeah, some. yeah. This will work two or three times <laughs> yeah. until I have the so so they, huge financial crisis, and my kid goes hungry. And <laughs> yeah. says, right. Don't worry about it. Don't think I, about it. I won't think Don't about it. Don't worry about the details. I will worry about this. Some fucking heads. I, I will not worry about this at night alone in my bed thinking about my child's future. I won't worry I, about I, that. Right. I would be worried if you did. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We have a lot of things to worry about for Kuna. <laughs> so so the, the archers, though, they brook no hesitation. Uh, and as many as 200 of the French men-at-arms are murdered. Uh, now, no, no contemporary uh, of Henry condemned him. For this fact, but most modern historians condemn it, while stating that it was depressingly common on medieval battlefields. Now, John Keegan believes uh, he was one of the historians I uh, consulted. He doesn't believe that Henry actually meant to kill all of them, uh, but rather intimidate and cow them into being more docile. Because when a, when a man at arms surrenders, like when a modern soldier surrenders, he gives up his weapon, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, a medieval man at arms, a medieval knight, is going to give up his weapon, but he's not giving up his armor, right? Yeah, he's yeah. still fully armored, yeah. which means that, like, if you get punched in the face by a steel gauntlet, mm-hmm. life is bad, right? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. it will stun you long enough that you lose your sword, and yeah. now the, a guy in full armor now has a sword. Yeah, yeah. And so Keegan has a quote that I that I liked, which is, is it realistic to imagine, however, that these proud and warlike men passively awaiting the arrival of a gang of their social inferiors to do them to death standing like groups of cattle in, in or like doing them to death in, in uh, like cattle in groups of 10? Like basically Keegan goes, do we really imagine that French noblemen waited patiently mm-hmm. as English longbowmen, a bunch of dirt farmers? came yeah. to like stab them in the eye because they're all wearing armor yeah, so yeah. they'd have to be stabbed through the eye or like bashed into the head with a yeah, big bounce through the neck or yeah. through the grieve or like, whatever. Like do they yeah. do they really do we really expect that that's the way that that happened? Basically, he did this he Keegan's argument is is that Henry makes the order to get them to like chill out long enough for the battle to actually mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Either way, Henry ordered the murder of prisoners, which is a war crime. Doesn't matter. Why? But if they're French noblemen, do they count as people? <laughs> <laughs> so some emotional damage there. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, he, the fifth. I mean, you know, he ordered uh, the, the longbowmen to scratch their backs. Right? Like, oh, I got a scratchy back. That's what this is worth. Uh, you know what, Macron? You and your people. Fuck you. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Oh, did your ancestors get murdered at Agincourt? Oh, I'm so sorry. Maybe don't raise the fucking social security minimum wage in France. So whatever the reason or the morality, fuck him. Henry had won a great victory. A victory that he never consciously expected, but always believed would happen due to the will of God. Henry's army had lost less than 700 uh. men, while the French had lost nearly... <laughs> that's, 
don't sigh at the will of God. <laughs> How dare you? God, of course, is looking out for me in particular in this battle. So uh, <laughs> I, I give it up to JC. <laughs> Adam, as a Jewish person, is just like God. God, we've been tight with God for a long time, and He hasn't looked for, out for us one single time. Every time God's like, "You're on your own, Jews," and He's like, "All right, I guess we'll handle it's it." It's like it's like every football player at the end of the game, like you know, I just I can't I Henry, can't do it without God. God, God, God help me with this game. Henry V yeah. definitely Tim Tebowed yeah. on the on the field at Henry so do they have the same amount of CTE? It's a yes. lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, so much, so much CTE. Um, so Henry had lost less than seven hundred men, while the French had lost nearly six thousand dead and another a thousand to two thousand pr- as prisoners. Nice. The prisoners who survived the massacre were brought back to England. The noblest were held for ransom or for political bargaining and kept in reasonably good health. Uh, the lesser prisoners were shown, uh, were shown Henry's vindictiveness, quote, living for alms in prisons rather than castles or palaces and awaiting for the grace and pity of God and of the king, end quote. None of them were released at, until after Henry's death. He's a good Christian. Uh, he was. Yeah, Henry V. Yeah. Um, now, the war goes how on. How would you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Tur- turn the other cheek. It's mm-hmm. just a phrase. Well, right? you, so he couldn't turn the other cheek. He had the big gash Yo, in the right, one. Right, yeah, right, yeah, that's, that's right. True. That's, that's right. the sensitive cheek. Yeah. The one that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the war goes on. The, the Battle of Agincourt doesn't win him the war. Uh, and Henry uh, waged renewed campaigns between 1417 and 1420. All of them are successful nice. until he finally signs the Treaty of Troyes in 1420. Troyes. Now, the terms of the treaty were essentially what Henry had wanted from the beginning. He marries Catherine of Valois. Uh, the Dauphin was excluded from the line of succession, and Henry was appointed as heir apparent. So when Charles VI died, Henry would, in fact, as well as in name, be king of England and in France. And he's made of glass, so he's not going <laughs> to last a whole lot. <laughs> But history is filled with irony and bad humor for such great men. Charles VI of France died on October 21st, 1422. And under the terms of the Treaty of Troyes, Henry should have been crowned as King of France. However, Henry V had died of dysentery two months before. On August 31st, 1422. Oh, sucks to suck. Yeah. He'd left. God wanted you to win yeah, that he's battle. Like, yeah, like, God wanted you JC. to win that battle. And it also wanted you friends. to shit yourself to death. Yeah, yeah. He also wanted you to shit so much you die. So take he, it or leave it, buddy. Well, uh, it's a shitty way to die. Um, it's a shitty way. That is. I'm sure no one's ever heard that yeah, joke no, before. No, no. You're, I the just first invent, person, I, I you're the first person to invent that dysentery joke. There is one person who never heard that joke. Of Henry the Fifth. Henry the Fifth. <laughs> <laughs> he, he left behind a widowed Catherine of Valois mm. and a nine-month-old son, Henry the Sixth. With Catherine of Valois? Mm-hmm. They have one. They have one son. So, Wait, I thought so, you said he was not interested in the so, flesh. So, so that's the thing. This is this is the part that is. is Did he get cooked? No. Mm-mm. This is the part that's hard to. His son was half black. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's so weird. We hadn't even discovered Ashkins yet. So, so uh, let me present to you Tyrone of Elwood. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. 
so one of the ways we know that well maybe so henry the sixth um is the the only son now there is there is evidence that like henry was a sort of a wild child before he became king the sixth yeah no henry the fifth oh henry the fifth it's kind of a wild child before he became king and that he sort of like shaped you know shaped up once he became king that's part of it the other part of it is is that orthodox piousness that he has basically is like fuck once yeah um and 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 it is clear that Henry the Sixth is that the minimum is is definitely Catherine of Valois' son in oh, the sure. sense that he has a strain of mental illness. Henry the Sixth um, will have quote bouts of madness, which is part of the reason why the the part of the reason why the War of the Roses occurs yeah, yeah. is that he's just a really ineffective king. He seems like a pretty decent man. Like, as a person, he's a pretty good guy, but he just can't sort of keep it together. And this is the reason why absolute monarchy is a terrible idea, because you're just rolling the dice, right? Like, he's the eldest son. He occasionally will just slip into lethargy. He would essentially go into, like, a comatose state. (laughs) He's the the dashboard confessional of English kings. I don't know what that means. (laughs) It's an emo. Sir! We need you to make a decision. And he's like, love of mine, someday we will die. Oh, yeah, okay, I've heard that song. Behind. I've heard that song, yeah. Wait, is that Dashboard Confessional? We had this no conversation. Oh, okay. I'm not, um, All I'm saying is that he was he... Was he a very emo king? No, he wasn't. He was He was extremely pious. Like, there, there's, there's this the argument. Yeah, Henry VI oh. was even more... Was more conventionally pious. What I mean by that is, is like... You could make the argument that if Henry V had lived longer and had more children, that, like, Henry, his eldest son, might have been, like, abdicated ahead of time and, like, Mm. gone into a monastery, like, become a priest. So, was Henry VI even more pro-burning? Was he, he was less. Was he like burn, burn? He he had only one child, who's Edward of Lancaster, who is executed after the Battle of uh, Tewkesbury. Okay. In Why? which he also dies. But he, they, he, he they wasn't taking on heretics war. like his dad. Uh, no, because he, he was That's never right. with it long enough to take on heretics, okay. uh, I think. He was also not as, like, hardcore as Henry yeah. V. Henry V combined, like, I am a straight-up professional killer with... I am a religious fanatic, and Henry the Sixth was uh, only one of those things, which okay, was the okay. second one. Okay, um, Henry the Sixth. Henry the Sixth was like, and I chimed in with, "Why would you people ever <laughs> heard of?" Because <laughs> the goddamn door. Oh, so, so Henry so, the Sixth just wanted everybody to like you know just understand enjoy a white to be wedding. left alone with yeah, his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like uh, so, so, so Henry the Sixth becomes king of France at nine months old and the english aristocracy actually pretends that he's like a full-grown adult for his entire life like they will issue orders like his regents will issue orders as though he's a fully grown man it will be like henry king of england and of france decrees this and he's like two yeah yeah. um they try really hard the sixth king of france and england decrees that here, let me let me num, num, let me read in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me read this. I don't need that. I can do it myself. <laughs> I can do it myself. No, no, da da. I hate you. I can do it myself. No, no. I peed my pants. That's what he declared. <laughs> so the As a father fr- of a toddler, I feel really, like I understand um, this king. Personal, actually. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, Donda. I hate you. Mama only. Mama only. I hope you die. Mama only. I love you. It's very confusing. It's not related to any personal family matters. So, the French, the French surprise. Six is just like. It's actually quoting a transcript of his actual household. Go go across the Atlantic and explore so that we can find more num nums for my tom tom. Henry the Sixth, when told when uh, when told when Normandy fell, uh, just went, "Oh no." Oh, la, la. I, I remember this from from picking up your wife and and son from the airport because he was eating like veggie straws in the mm, back seat and mm. he kept dropping them and going oh no oh he loves a good veggie straw <laughs> he loves a veggie straw much like uh henry v loved ruling actually that's, <laughs> so that's he, they had he, the same incentive interest, interestingly enough the french never recognize henry the sixth as their king mm. uh and the, the 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 war goes on for another 30 years and the english eventually lose the uh the 30 years war or the 100 years war do they lose or i thought it was like a standoff no no because the i mean the french i guess the french were- so the french eventually Eventually, push. They get the, like France back. They know? do. the The only by the end of the Hundred Years' War, the only piece of France in English hands is the city of Calais, which will remain English until like the 1580s, when the French finally take Calais from the English. Uh, and the the kings of England don't give up the title King of France until George the Third, when they make a treaty with the French Republic in 1803. <laughs> and in that in that treaty, George the Third gives up the title King of France. Oh, George the Third's yeah, like, sick. listen, the people of your country have been ruling for a while in what you call a republic. Uh, so yeah, sure, I'm not the King of France anymore. You're ruled by the people. Uh, also, George the Third by 1803 is Looney Tunes. Oh yeah. So he probably uh, yeah, didn't yeah. say that. Um, but he the. Went, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Francis, you're that, a real that's all, folks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he did have syphilis. George the Third did oh. have syphilis. Wow. Um, but or uh, but the interesting. Ironically, he got it from a French lady. Uh. <laughs> no, I think honestly, in, in, I don't. I don't like George the Third as a as a good American. Yeah, I don't yeah, like George the Third. Of course not. Fuck him. But. I don't think he got it from banging. I think he got it from his dad. Oh, like he inherited syphilis. You can oh, inherit, no. inherit syphilis. Yeah, you can. It can be genetically inherited. Really? Because, like, yeah. from all accounts, he was actually very loyal to his wife. They had a very loving relationship. He just happened to have syphilis. So syphilis is this that's one. a less fun um, reason to get syphilis. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I wish you wouldn't yeah. tell us born, that. Born <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, so fuck we once could before continue to make our jokes. Now, um, <laughs> I wish you would not let the truth get in the way of a good yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. How dare you? <laughs> no, the weird thing with syphilis too is, from what what I understand, um, having had it about three or four times. <laughs> Thank God for penicillin. I've never had syphilis. Dominican Republic's one hell of a place. I was was married in the Peace Corps at the time. I was happily married. Thank God for for penicillin. No, but the the weirdest thing about syphilis pre-penicillin is that you could get it, right? And it would like kind of show, you'd get like sores, right? Like early on. And then it would just disappear. And you wouldn't have, you could not have it for like 30 fucking years. Like it'd be, and then all of a sudden, but if it 
it it sometimes it wouldn't come back and sometimes it would right and if it didn't Weird. come back way to go you still have to like live your life but if thinking it came it back might come like back. looney tunes yeah, yeah if you came back you would you'd go full fucking uh what's the german philosopher nietzsche you'd go full <laughs> fucking nietzsche i remember when i was in high school a friend of mine was like have you ever read fall of the idols by nietzsche and i was like nietzsche's a philosopher he's smart right i should read that one Fall of the Idols was after he went insane from syphilis. Oh, he had syphilis. So, I didn't. Know. I yeah, don't think yeah, yeah. anyone should ever read Nietzsche for any reason. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's a, just a good, a good, a good plant. There's some good stuff. Uh, nah, I, any, any. I'm, I'm, I have a problem with any philosopher who's like, is life really worth continuing in any variety? Like that, that I have a problem with that. I have a problem with any philosopher who doesn't at least try to address that. <laughs> right? Like any philosopher is just like, no, no, no. Clearly, life is worth living. You're like, you haven't been doing philosophy that long. <laughs> <laughs> like you haven't thought that hard about this. Clearly, now, I just, I just know that I followed the idols and the Antichrist were Nietzsche's two books that he wrote. Oh, syphilis. He was. <laughs> Full-blown syphilis at yeah. this point in time. I read it as a 17-year-old hippie being like, am I an idiot? None of this makes sense. Like, this all seems come, like come to find been, out, you're yeah. just reading the rantings of a madman. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Now, out. Catherine of Valois will get remarried because, oh, because she her husband dies. She'll remarry a man named Owen Tudor. Um, her grandson is Henry of the, the Tudors? Yes. Oh. Her is grandson, that where the Tudors come from? Yeah, her grandson is Henry the Seventh. Her great grandson is Henry the Eighth, uh-huh. um, and that is Good how guy. that is that how the fun but that's how the Tudors justify their claim to the throne. They don't actually have any English royal blood in them. Mm. They don't. Uh, they they have the blood of Catherine of Valois in them, so they're actually more related to the French throne than they are to the English throne. But that, <laughs> Aren't they, it's just a very yeah, incestuous relationship. Don't let, really, the, like, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Uh, oh English. yeah, absolutely. What, what was the what was the um, the Lannister saying? A Lannister. Oh, no, they, dead. So their actual, their actual oh, words yeah, are "hear me roar." Yeah, yeah, and hear then, me roar. And, and then a common saying is "a Lannister always pays yeah, their yeah, debts." Yeah. Oh, I'm a giant yeah. Game of Thrones nerd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you I can tell that the by the everything about the, me. Yeah, yeah. The tutors. <laughs> I'm the totally tutors, surprised by that. Um, <laughs> the the, the, the tutors thing was uh, got any French in you? <laughs> Do you want some? Uh, God French. <laughs> yeah. That was the foul one. It yeah. was, do you have any Welsh in you? Because yeah, yeah, the tutors yeah. are Welsh. Oh, they're yeah. like, you got any Welsh in you? Do you want some? Do you want a sheep? <laughs> Is that the Welsh revenge? Yeah. Like, wait, wait. Revenge. So it was actually <laughs> Catherine of Vel. What? Waka waka waka. <laughs> what kind? <laughs> Catherine of Val. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What 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 are some lessons gathered from today from mm. this? Uh, Never root this for period. the French, not one single time. I mean, yeah. I think that's a that's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I think other other um, things is is that war is 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 not actually productive. It makes me you know you just the amount of money you spend and and then you die shitting yourself. And I mean, you yeah, came so close to winning. The British really shit the bed, or mm-hmm. the king at least shit the bed. Shit the bed, along with most of his army at some point. Um, yeah, but you can't like look at the next like four hundred years of British history and been like, man, they fucked up. <laughs> no, <laughs> what I mean, but when it go great for them after yeah, I don't know India. Yeah, like, well, but it, but that's the thing is that like that's that's sort of the exception that proves the rule. 
right? Like European colonialism is is essentially the only time, oh, maybe not the only time, um, but but the fundamentally war is is not good for like an economy. Like I I don't just mean like morally. Like if the point of a war is to is to improve uh, the economic standing of a state. It's almost never actually... No, no, no. What I mean by that is you, you might say, okay, like weapons manufacturers make a lot of money. That's true. And that's always been true. But for instance, like the Romans, to use them as an example, the Romans uh, very much believed like, oh, we have to keep conquering people so we can like enslave people and then sell them into slavery yeah. and we make lots of money. Yeah, kind of well, perverse I mean, inside but, that, that, game, yeah. but That kind of, yeah. But the, occasionally, occasionally that works. The problem is, is that that's a really bad bet. Like, that is betting on roulette and not betting on black, but betting on, like, a particular number. Yeah. Because if you win, sure. If you win, sure, you make lots of money. If you lose, all of that is gone. Right? Like, the cost of a medieval knight's armor and, and, and horse in modern dollars is, like, somewhere between sixty and $80,000. Each one of them. Mm-hmm costs sixty to eighty thousand dollars and it takes you to train a knight you become a page at like eight you become a squire at like 12 or 13 you're knighted between 14 and 16 really yeah so front to end it takes six to eight years to become a knight by modern standards, the, the, like the reason why, like the French during the Napoleonic or not, Napoleonic. they essentially all had special forces levels of training, like, yeah. training Absolutely. behind them. Yeah, yeah, and and so that means that when you kill them, they're not replaceable, right? Um, which is one of the reasons why, like, when the French fight their revolutionary wars in the 1790s and they introduce levy on mass and they just start drafting every yeah. Tom, Dick, and Harry into the army, the reason that works. <laughs> Tom, Dick, and Eddie. Like, every, I mean, every, yeah. every, Jean, Edouard, and Jacques. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, but what the reason that worked, the reason that was a good idea, was the fact that the military technology just sort of matched up to the fact that anybody could do it. Like, yeah, you yeah. could train anyone to shoot a musket. That's why and, all the peasant... I mean, in the Middle Ages, people don't generally people don't know this. They're like, "Oh yes, feudalism. The lords ruled, and the peasants were happy, or whatever." Like, no, no, there were so many fucking peasant revolts. There were peasant revolts after peasant revolts after peasant revolts in literally every single feudalistic country, from Russia to Germany to England. I don't know who you're talking to that says that feudalism peasants were happy. MTV, MTV, MTV. Yeah, MTV did a documentary, and they're. Like, Did they? No, what are you talking no, about? I, no, but like okay. those kings weren't taking a rationalist approach to oh, war. And they weren't. They, they were like, weren't. "Get me my fucking land. No, I, yeah, owe, I, I deserve this shit, and everybody else is gonna get behind me." Oh, that's, so that's true. You're, I'm not. I'm not making the argument that mm-hmm. the average it's person about, thinks it's about self aggrand. It's a self aggrandizing act. That that's true. That's absolutely true. Which is one of the reasons why, again, when I was teaching civics, and my students would ask me, "What's the worst form of government?" Without hesitation i'd say absolute monarchy yeah, yeah again the idea that you're that you're like your parents banged and you were the first one out mm-hmm. and therefore you get absolute power mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. whatever point your parents die it's a real dice roll it is because for instance you know nicholas the second mm-hmm. of, of russia the last czar of russia his <laughs> dad is alexander the third alexander the third goes i'm not going to introduce my son to statecraft. I'm not going to like bring him into government until he's 30. Right? 
Alexander the Third dies when Nicholas the Second is like twenty six. Yeah, yeah. So Nicholas has thirty no... was the first year that Nicholas uh, the First uh, masturbated. So it's, <laughs> it's a weird thing. So, but the point, but the point, but the point being more realistically, like you now had an the most absolute ruler in Europe has zero concept of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like for instance, Elizabeth the Second, right of, of of Britain. For whatever like criticisms one might have of the of the British monarchy, which are I think pretty valid sure. in, in many cases, like Elizabeth II is probably the best example of a hereditary monarch. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who took her job very very if seriously. You, no, like, like except they, they, no, the no, no, but they rolled good on the hereditary they, they, monarch, they, they, they dice, did. It, it, which it, it, means it, that they get they fifty got, years of they're, they're they're the good monarch. No, no, but, I mean, and, but and and and. and and, and and lax that's exactly it like you have to assume that but like what i mean by that is is that this was a person who took her duties very seriously and like really wanted to do a good job which also meant that like she didn't quote unquote enjoy herself Mm. Right, like she didn't actually. That's one of the. I mean, I, but I think though, that by that point, the monarchy was pretty chastened by democracy. Oh, that, like they, and that's true they, too. They, they couldn't like they were a figurehead at best. Yeah, no, that, that's true. That's absolutely true. What but year I, did she reign? From like the somewhere in the early to mid fifties until you know last year. Fourteen. Oh, the la- I thought you meant Elizabeth the first. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm talking about Elizabeth the oh, okay. second. Um, and but but even if you go back, like they had actually you, invented vibrators before she took, <laughs> so things got better for her. But many of you, many of you yeah, think about a lot of rational decisions post like post orgasm. She's like, ah, maybe we should let the Ghanaians be their own country. But in, <laughs> but in all but in all in all seriousness, if we go back to like the episode we did on on Roman emperors, mm-hmm. like. One of the emperors that most historians go, this is a good emperor, is Marcus Aurelius. And and Kunin, you were like, he had a shitty life. He basically spent his entire life on a, on one long military campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that was what you were supposed to do. Like he was doing the, the job, which meant that if he was doing the job, the average Roman citizen had a better life than if they weren't doing the job. Like right, if, right. If, if the options are emperor who takes the job seriously and thus has a shitty life or emperor who doesn't take the job seriously and has an awesome yeah, yeah. but very short life because yeah, yeah. he's murdered yeah, yeah. A, a, real, peasant, a real motley crew kind of life you know the, what I mean? peasant, <laughs> the peasant girls, girls, the peasant girls, does better under the first than he does under uh, the second I feel like the peasant's not doing no, that no, well the peasant isn't way. doing great I'm saying better <laughs> I didn't say great they're not better. getting their heads chopped off like. <laughs> I mean yeah, starving is better than head chopped off. Like that's <laughs> or, 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 or even like, for instance, you might say, you know, not starving, but not. Um, Peasants weren't doing well. No, 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 no. Like what I mean by that is, is that like, for instance, it, you you can make the argument that like, oh, if an authoritarian regime does well, like there's enough food. But you can't be engaged in the political process. Like these people don't have any political freedom. It's a lot like China. It's yeah. a lot like modern China, or, where or, it's or like the Soviet it, Union. Say, I don't know. Trickle down the... benefits of like whatever regime. Well, or, or, or even the Soviet Union, right? Like there's people in Eastern Europe. There, there are fewer of them because we're getting further and further away from the Soviet Union. But mm. there are people in the so in in the former Eastern Bloc, whether the Soviet Union directly or its or its client states, like in East Germany and things, 
who remember the communist governments fondly, not because they're ideologically communist, because yeah. they got like a lot of you know benefits. Yeah, they're like and everybody had a job, education. everybody had a place to live. Exactly. Security. Now, it, but it, but they also understood that that what came with that was an overbearing police state yeah, yeah, yeah. that would conscript sure. young men into the army for no apparent reason. Listen and to your so phone we, calls. And, and so we can imagine a Roman farmer, a Roman peasant, having the same view towards Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, he's conscripted my sons into the army. Yes, there is some arbitrary arrests. But you know what Marcus Aurelius has done a really good job of is keep the barbarians on that side of the Danube, <laughs> that side of the Rhine. Build because, a wall. Because well, <laughs> the difference is... Ah, Donald Trump, the modern Marcus Aurelius. But the I can't wait until he comes out with his, with his, his Trumpian book on Stoic philosophy. But the difference being that like, there's a difference between immigration and barbarian invasion. Right, like that is a different thing. According to you, according to something, <laughs> I'm just. I want to be very clear with our listeners. I don't believe it. No, yeah, no, no, no. But like, you not know, not one it, single Nicaraguan has ever tried to cut my fucking head off with yeah, an axe. Exactly. Every single German tried to do that. <laughs> every, every single Roman, Roman the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want yeah, about like the Romans just, being assholes. It was assholes. just the time. Uh, yeah, it was just the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, the Romans enslaved it was everyone. Just the fashion. Oh, you mean they enslaved the people who wanted to cut their balls off and their heads <laughs> off and then. Enslave their children? Oh, they enslave people who want to enslave Slave them. or be enslaved, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it, it, and it, but the, the point I'm trying to, the wider point I'm trying to make is, is that like, and and all of this is to to equal the fact that like, in my personal opinion, democracy is a really good system because you have chances to like course correct. He's right? pro democracy. Yeah, it's I know. Good. It's weird. Let, 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 let the listeners know. God, it's just weird. <laughs> So. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go hard in the paint here for checks and balances, separation he's, of powers, and free and fair elections. He's fucking trailblazing. Uh, <laughs> you know, as somebody who supports the uh, 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 the fuck, I'm forgetting what it is. the um, the proletariat. No, not the so the proletariat, but the. Um, Oh, what did Lenin call it? The it was the dictatorship of the proletariat. <laughs> as someone who thinks that the proletariat, as a unified voice and mind, who always agrees on the same things, always through, through the communist party, through the communist party, <laughs> and Lenin specifically, he might be dead and in a weird fucking tomb in Moscow, but we're gonna listen to him anyway. Yeah. Like, what do you think about this? And he'll be like, dress up as a woman and get Chat into GBT. Finland. <laughs> Lenin's like, Chat GPT. <laughs> Do you know what won't have a stroke? Chat GPT. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know what won't uh, give all the power to Stalin on accident right before it Chat GPT. Yeah, all the power to the Chat GPT. Hang on, let uh, me ask Chat GPT a question. Uh, uh, why doesn't everyone. Why is. Why, why is dark humor like food? What do you say, Chat GPT? Oh, because not everyone gets it. Oh, no. Oh, Chat no. Chat GPT. You know what I'm talking about. Can, it's a Stalin joke. Can you, can, you, can, you, can you give for me Worker's Paradise? <laughs> Hang on. GPT. Let me just look through the gulags. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's pretty good to end it on, right? On that note, we are laughing historically. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, laughing hist, H I S T. Like and subscribe. Leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Ask and me a question. Co- yeah, ask, ask a question. Kunin will um, reward you with or- his oral skills. <laughs> if, uh, <yeah. laughs> Hey, let me wipe my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So please like and subscribe, and uh, yeah, that's been. And honestly, if you if you are listening to this podcast, uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I have a great fucking time doing it. Right? We have fun doing it. If we have fun doing it, if you have fun listening, uh, like, subscribe, and share. Yeah. All right. I I realize that. Literally all of you are white men like us. Um, <laughs> we'd love to branch so please, out, but you know uh, what? Share with your other white men friends. Yeah, and, yeah we will. Uh, we'll take sure what we can get. Keep we'll an arm's it. length away uh, from <laughs> which traditionally yeah, has been, our, man, has, has been yeah. our way of life. Oh, it's so hard for liberal, white for like men. actual left wing liberal white men. They're like, God, I love history, just like all those other white men who are in that militia. God damn it! God damn it! I don't. I, I just want to like history and not be in a militia. Is that so hard? I would like uh, to be in a militia. Uh, we're not. Uh, uh, we are actually. We're proud to announce that we're forming a militia. Uh, yep, Left wing history militia. I, I uh, believe that's called a Soviet. Uh, a Soviet. That's a workers' council. How dare you? Well, isn't Soviet just Russian for workers' council? It's Russian for council. Uh, right. Okay. So, so workers' Soviet. Yeah, you would also have writers' Soviets. Uh, okay. And, so we're know, the comedian Soviet. Uh, is that what it is? We yeah. are. Yeah, we, we are, are. actually. I mean, Adam and I are forming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How many jokes do I have to tell before I'm in your, we in your are comedian actually Soviet. storming the Bastille? Um, well, which revolution are you in? I don't all know. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in all the revolutions. I'm bringing them back to the revolution. Yes. Something never should have understood that I believe in revolution. We are very anachronistic here. Uh, <laughs> laughing historically, and that's been our show. Thank you. Woo.